Hello and welcome to Grief Burrito. I'm Haz and this wonderful sexy boy next to me is Jordan. Today we are joined by Kennedy Phillips who has been working on the incredible sensations, has been hotel, hell of a boss and his own amazing podcast adventure series, Magus Elgar. This episode includes some pretty awesome tips for voice actors and sound designers too, as well as some questions that you guys personally sent in from Twitter, Reddit and our Discord, which you can get in the link below. And at the end of the show, we tell you how you can be entered to win a free copy of Cyberpunk 2077. Jordan? Let's do this. Welcome to episode 87 of Grief Brio, guys, the show that takes games, movies, and the weird world we live in and wraps it up and makes that shit spicy. Try not to swear still, Jordan, but never mind. <laughs> if this is your first episode, it's great to have you. I'm Harrison Wilde, your host, and my co-host is Jordan Shenton, sporting the recently extended face furniture, as we can see. That Lockdown 2 beard game is strong. We're back in lockdown in the UK, aren't we, Jordan? Yeah, it's definitely caveman season. Either that or some kind of <laughs> IT lumberjack. Wait, Lumber Jordan. <laughs> so as you listeners have probably seen from the title of this episode, we are joined today by the wonderful Kennedy Phillips. Please say hello. Greetings, everybody, from scenic uh, surface of the sun, apparently, if my webcam is any indication. <laughs> Where actually are you, if you don't mind me asking? Not to, like, dox your location. Oh, well, I am in scenic Los Angeles. More oh. specifically, I'm over down in Lakewood because I would not like to be in the heart of that city because yes. it is very smoggy and it is mm -hmm. constantly raining ash there it is i know we've got a lot of friends over there who's been telling us they've all moved out of the area and gone into more i don't know what would you say <laughs> climatized rural. areas yeah rural areas on, on fire trying to be polite yeah. there yeah i'm sure i'm trying to like well, you know it's it's well the area that i'm in is is very quiet and nice the only the only downside is that like 95% of the people here are over the age of 70. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's regrettably no trick-or-treaters because all their kids are now trying to deal with taxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's prime real exactly. estate if someone gets kids. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Good, good luck giving a person of our generation a house. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a very good point. <laughs> so to give our listeners a bit of background on you, you're a, a sound designer and a podcaster as well, which is nice. Uh, it's always good to connect and support other shows in, in our area, especially as I've been binging your work over the past few weeks since we've been chatting. I have been needy. Have you been ankle enjoying deep. it? I have, absolutely loving it. I really do love Megas Elgar. It's absolutely great. So well done with that show. The amount of clarity. Thank it just, you. It's so good. Like the quality it of beautiful. it is just insane. It is. It's very, very nice. You've you've got quite an extensive back catalogue, haven't you? So you've been a, you've been in sound since 2010, if I believe correctly, from what I saw on IMDb. Uh, tech. Yeah, technically yes. Um, I my first professional production that I got to work on mm -hmm. was uh, Spiders 3D, which I was in. I was in my. I was in grad school when that happened. Oh wow. Okay. Um, which uh, is not the proudest story I have. Not because. Tell it. Not because that movie tell it. was was. <laughs> <laughs> not, not because that movie wasn't any high quality or anything like that, but more of that, the, the first time that I did it, I, I messed up badly. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> Why? What? what? You, you got to give us a bit of a, a bit of behind the scenes here. 
Okay, so uh, I went to grad school at Chapman University with some absolutely talented individuals. Okay. Um, uh, Michael Martinez, Andres De La Torre, uh, and, and a couple of others were sound designers that I jumped in with, okay. despite the fact that I was going there for editing. Um, Andres got his hands on a project for a feature-length film that was this, this really cheesy spiders horror movie called yeah. Spiders 3D. And we were all tasked with the opportunity to do dialogue editing. Okay. Um, now, f- for those of you who aren't familiar with dialogue editing, um, when all the f- takes are said and done, the dialogue editor comes in and massages all of the audio to smooth out <laughs> I love the hand all motions. the little bumps Yeah, listeners, you can't see the hand motions. To indicate... But, yeah. That that indicate that these were not all shot at the same time. Ah, okay, right. So if you if you can clearly hear uh, Gandalf speaking at Helm's Deep, that yeah. is clearly not where he was. So I I apologize for that. But if you could clearly hear somebody in the middle of like a war zone, okay, and not just a bunch of incessant screaming, that's that's all thanks to a dialogue editor. Right, okay, because I, I did want to ask what the distinction was between an editor and a designer, because me and Jordan were talking about that before. So what's the difference in classification there? Well, an, ed- an editor is usually the one that is piecing together the whole production. Yeah, like that's a, a video thought. editor is the one that's taking the raw clips and, and piecing them together. Okay. And uh, oftentimes the editor is doing the, the baseline work like uh, piecing together the stuff that you need for you to understand what's going on in the film. Okay. Okay. Uh, case in point, like footsteps yeah. uh, and other sound effects like that that aren't like very design heavy, mm-hmm. but are but need to be there. The designer okay. is going in and saying, how can I make this sound interesting? Right. Okay. Um, usually with like special sound effects or they'll like construct stuff out of scratch or from library sounds. Like what I do. Anyway, uh, so I, I'm working on Spiders 3D, and I am I'm nervous because I'm given 20 minutes of this of this feature length film, and I have not really worked on a feature length right. of anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm understandably nervous, uh, being the uh, happy go lucky 23, 24 year old that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Straight in there. And. Yeah. And I'm 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 doing my best, and I'm I at the time like I was an absolutely atrocious dialogue editor, <laughs> and then something happened that I could not have predicted that made me feel that just made my heart sink. Right. Just as I was about to finish my my segment, whereas all of the other sound designers had their segments to do, my hard drive died. Oh God. Ooh. It was my first job, and my hard drive died. And I, I, I started running this, uh, as my mom would call it, the Czechoslovakian prophet of impending doom <laughs> yeah. through my head of, oh, no, I can't get I, – I, I flubbed this job, which means the rep, my reputation is going to tank as a sound designer, which means I'll never get a job, which means I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life working at Sears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you. Oh, God. So, so I, I, I was like, I was inconsolable for, for a few days where I, I just immediately called up uh, Andres and I said, like, my hard drive has died. There's nothing I can do. I'm just, I want to make a good job with this. And Andres is like, uh-huh. Okay. So he, we rearrange it and he gives me like five minutes of the project. 
and everybody else has to like do five minutes of my my assignment because the hard drive died. Right. Oh God. And uh, we eventually get it done, and I now have credits on this movie that I have absolutely no right to have on oh, this wow, movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you gotta take it and run it. <laughs> I, I got I I will I will I will say I got better. Yeah, well, got, at least you owned up to it as well. This. You know, at yeah. least you owned up to that. Yeah, you know, you're honest with yourself. <laughs> it's okay. We've all been given stuff like that before. Like in some TV work that I've done, it's been the same. People said that you you make props in a certain area and that it gets trashed or never seen, but you still get the credit. So you just got to he showed you know, up you and did, did the work. You, yeah, you tried. You tried. So at least there, there was that mm-hmm. that much effort. I want to move into one of your most recent jobs, like we discussed the other day, which is Hell of a Boss, like you just mentioned. So, Jordan, do you want to sum up Hell of a Boss in a in a brief statement? Yeah. For those of you who aren't aware, uh, which you should be, because this is amazing. Yeah. Hell of a Boss is an amazing, like, and hopefully a series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be more episodes. If there's not, I'm going to yes. be very upset. It's about some yeah. imps that work at a company called Imp, the Immediate Murder Professionals. I believe that should have been said, the Immediate Murder Professionals. Sorry, yeah, my bad. I'm not doing it again. Just that song is stuck in my head all uh, the time. It is amazing. <laughs> it's definitely an adult cartoon, but yes. it's so well done. It is ridiculous. It is. It's absolutely amazing. When, when you were like moving from, because obviously you did a lot of live action stuff early on, when did you decide that you wanted to go into animation and how did you make that change was it like a conscious thing that you were like okay i want to do animated stuff or okay so um the story began Ooh. when i was but four years old i feel like we need a harp sound i'm going yeah. somewhere with this i promise <laughs> okay i took uh when i was um i was watching television on uh on the boat uh, I lived on I lived on a sailboat when I was, I was going to say, "Well, you need to go back to the boat." Then. <laughs> what? <laughs> have to rewind um, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I lived on a sailboat. My my parents were both home uh, uh, nurses who worked at uh, at first at a hospital and then in home health. Oh right. And every morning I would watch Nickelodeon. Okay. And at one point, my mom asked me, "Well, what do you want to do when you grow up?" And I looked at the 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 splash of uh, Nickelodeon. I'm I'm. <laughs> I, I always end up remembering which thing was on the show diff- uh, at each time. Yeah. But I pointed at the TV and says, I want to do that. Right. Cool. Okay. Which was a relief to my mother because there was a brief moment where I was watching Muppet Babies and came to the conclusion that I wanted to be a taxi driver because Kermit wanted to be one. I thought well, you were going to say taxi driver. she kind of looked at me like. Uh, yeah. Or frog. Really? I thought you were going to say frog, but there you go. <laughs> but no, like working in cartoons was always my goal. I always wanted to work into cartoons and animation. Problem was, I was diagnosed with dysgraphia, so I couldn't draw. Oh right, okay, right. Um, and I thought that was the that I thought that was it. Like that was there. There were no other jobs in cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> you can draw do. it. I've never even heard of dysgraphia. Neither um, have I. No. Uh, dysgraphia is a. Uh, it's kind of like you know how like with dyslexia, the information from the text to your eyes gets scrambled. Yeah. Right. For, I mean, that's a barbarous oversimplification of it, but for mm-hmm. myself, it's translating the the words in my head to my hand, and it kind of... Yeah, no <laughs> way. Okay. My, my hand kind of like, my, my hand kind of trails and goes off in the different directions. I had to take like 10 years of ocu- of occupational therapy to, to get myself to be able to like write uh, enough that I could actually 
do things in school without a computer. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. No way. Um, but no, like a- animation was always my goal mm-hmm. going into it where I wanted to one day be able to work on it. But again, I, I didn't have the skill sets that most animation studios were looking for. Okay. Most most animation studios want the animator to also be the writer or they want them to have enough experience with the writing. Yeah. And things like that. Or at least I had initially thought so because that's the way that things were for a long time. Yeah. With, uh, but then – I started discovering people like Joel Valentine, mm-hmm. who's been making cartoon sound effects for uh, Jendi Tartakovsky uh, and so many other people yeah. for like Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack, uh, the most recent excellent series, Primal. I've not watched that. Actually. I've not watched Primal yet. I will tell. I want to tell you about that show later. Okay. Yeah. But, definitely. Um, definitely. I mean, you've done for someone who literally could not draw and wanted to be in animation, you have done very, very well getting into one of the most like prestigious cartoons that are, is being created right now. Like You could argue to say that Hasbin and Hell of a Boss have been two of the biggest cartoons to come in the past year, easily. And they're not even <laughs> properly out yet. Oh yeah, that's no, huge. I mean, well, well, the thing is, like, uh, Hell of a Boss actually is. Well, it is, yes, the, the first is, episode. Uh, yeah. we, we actually, we actually uh, announced that we're going to be making eight episodes mm-hmm. and we're going to be releasing them yes. on YouTube. I'm, it's a YouTube I can't series. Wait. I, uh, I'm, I'm very glad that the, the first one came out last week and I, I somehow missed that it was going to be coming out at that point. And I got home that day and saw that it was So on. that must have been a great surprise. It was. I oh, sat it was. down and I was like, yes, I'm ready for this. So Someone I just sat else down. sent it to me. <laughs> Someone else sent it to me. I said to Hazel, I was like, it's out. And he was like, oh yeah, I thought you knew. I was like, why wouldn't you tell me this? I know, I'm sorry. I don't know why I didn't send it. I must have just been sat there watching it on repeat over and over again. <laughs> yeah, uh, funny enough, um, getting on this project mm-hmm. was kind of a fluke. That, yes. So to explain uh, to us how that how that will have happened, like, so th- was this the the one you worked on first before Hasbin Hotel? Then yes, the first thing that I worked with Viv was Hasbin Hotel. It right. was not the first cartoon that I worked on because technically the first cartoon I worked on was a series called Draw My Dream for DreamWorks Television. Right. Back when I re- when I graduated from grad school over at Awesomeness TV, okay. where I was put in charge of editing and sound designing. Uh, five minute shorts every week. Oh, right. Like they would give me like seven days to do all of it. Wow. And that was a lot of fun. It's actually still on uh, YouTube. I made about 30 episodes uh, for them. Right. And we basically interview kids Mm -hmm. and about dreams they had and they would talk about them and then we would edit that into a cohesive story because kids ramble. Yeah. Like like myself. Uh, And then we would have a... I would I would edit that, regurgitate it to a DreamWorks artist who would make doodles of the page okay. of everything that was happening. We would animate those pages very with like a little bit of tweening and like rigging puppetry and stuff like that. Yeah. And I would make sound effects uh, for those episodes. Oh, very cool. And we would just churn one out a week. Amazing. That's a fast pace to work to. That's that's the business, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really cool. So do you, do you think the, that um, working with live action is easier or harder than doing animation? Like, do you find that you, you have more freedom working with animation or vice versa? It's different. 
Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say it's easier or harder. I would say it's different. The reason why is that, like, when it comes to sound design and live action, there are lots of literal things on the screen that you definitely have to do. It's it's yeah. much more grounded. Okay. Uh, with cartoons, you can get away with a lot more, but with that opens the the absolute uh, <laughs> pantheon of imagination that yeah. is at your disposal of anything of. I mean, it comes down to that. Uh, what is it? That that graph between like uh, uh, structure established and structure liberal, where it comes down to a shoe is a footstep, to all the way down to um, a slapping a towel is a footstep. <laughs> right. Okay. I wonder where that analogy was going. Then I was like, what is he? What? What? But yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> but um. No, what happened was is that for to get there, I have to do a little bit of of connecting tissue. Yeah, okay. And that was I was working after I worked for um, after I worked for DreamWorks TV for a while, yeah. which was loads of fun. Mm-hmm. It got to that point where I'd been there almost long enough to qualify as an employee, so they stopped talking to me. Oh. Oh, <laughs> just um, cut you out. Give me the cold shoulder. I, I, I was an independent contractor. Also, like my pr- the producer that was like my main contact there mm-hmm. moved on to bigger and better things as well. Okay. Um, and that's just the nature of the business. Like you're independent contractor for just long enough to not be an employee. Right. Um, so I started doing a lot of freelance work to try and get more and more work, and I kept getting scammed. Really. I would work on projects where they would have like this this big idea in mind. They'd get like all this Kickstarter money and they would start a production and then I would never get paid. Uh, yeah, that's the wonder of some um, freelancing, unfortunately. It's horrible out or, there. Or, or like some kind of uh, political game would happen behind the scenes and suddenly I'd be at the center of a spat between the producers and the director because I'm the one with all the footage. Ah, uh, right. Or... Or I'd be, or, or, or probably my favorite one was uh, I was doing behind the scenes work for a documentary that is uh, about a movie that never got released, which was a, and I cannot believe what? I have to describe <laughs> this, a a modern retelling of uh, Notes from the Underground by I believe it was Tchaikovsky. Notes from the Underground by, by, sorry, sorry, by Fyodor Dostoevsky, a modern retelling of Notes from the Underground in modern day Los Angeles. Why? Well, you get some. I never got paid for that either. And frankly, I'm, I'm a little bit glad that my names did not get on those credits because I, I absolutely detest that book and that movie. Yeah. (laughs) I've never read it, unfortunately. I know of it. God, what, how? Well, it's funny because the, so much of that movie was just him complaining. Uh, uh, the the behind the scenes documentary was that doc was that director complaining why people weren't dedicated to his project when none of them were getting paid. That, yeah, that'll probably <laughs> that'll seal the deal. <laughs> so so I got so frustrated that I was I was almost ready to give up. Right, and I said to myself, I want to. I, I I told myself, you know what? I'm going to try and make something of myself, like something mm-hmm. that is mine. Yeah. And I put down all of my life savings into one final project. And I wanted to keep it within the realm of my expertise, which turned into Magus Elgar. Right, okay. And people enjoy, a lot of the people that watched it had one criticism about it, and that was this should be a cartoon. 
It would suit you very so, well, yeah. I, I talked to some people and got in contact with some absolutely talented animators mm -hmm. uh, who helped get me uh, the first animated short bridge. Yeah. And I was working with, uh, with these, these people and I found out when I hired them that they were working on Hasbin Hotel. And I was so excited because oh, I'm like, oh, okay. I've got Hasbin Hotel animators working for me. This is going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And it came around that point where I was asking them, like, oh, yeah, do, how are you guys doing with sound or whatever? And they said, well, Gooseworks is, do, is uh, working on it, but she's got, like, she's got a lot of things on her plate because she's doing music. She's mm -hmm. doing uh, the sound effects. She's doing, like, a, her own projects as well. And I said, well, you know. If, if you <laughs> hey, I'm kind of free. <laughs> Also, I wonder. I wonder who could do audio, <laughs> and I would. Uh, I would be. I. I would be remiss to give it the attention it deserves. Yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> so uh, he ends up talking to Viv, and sends her uh, an example of my sound work because I did the sound work for uh, the Magus Elgar short. Right. And <laughs> she. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if she saw it, oh. but she said, yeah, sure. Get him on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we need to help. I, again, I am not a hundred percent sure that she saw it, but, <laughs> but it worked. It got, got you the to job. Work on yeah. Heads and yeah, it got you the job. <laughs> the other people were so impressed that they were like, you need to get this guy. It was an absolute honor to work on it. Cause I'd been watching Viv stuff since, um, I saw her music video in 2004. 13, 2012 with Die Young. Yes, Die Young. And I went yeah. back and I watched, I, I read Zoophobia. I, I read her, uh, her other comics. I looked at all of her work. She's got such an expressive and very distinct style. She does. Really yeah. 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 She's, she's very influenced by, well, I guess the nostalgia of what she was watching when she was a kid, like in Invader Zim and that kind of stuff, which I, that was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. Like I've still got one of the collectible little girl models with the dog suit on a shelf in the living room. Oh yeah. Like the, uh, something I really loved about Invader Zim is that it's got a very, a very distinct soundscape. It does. That yeah. You don't really think about, but it, it lends so much <laughs> to the absurdist expression of of just the, this whole gamut of insanity that's happening on screen. Yeah, Joan and Vasquez did some amazing really, stuff with the visuals and sound. Yeah, like uh, I, I could I could gush about it for hours <laughs> about like all the crazy things that he came up with uh, for the sound design. It's it's wonderful. It really is, and it like you can. It comes through in your work, particularly though. I think, like when I when I listen to Magus Elgar, or when I first watch like Hell of a Boss or Husband Hotel, to be honest, all of them, you can you can feel that they. You've definitely been inspired by stuff like, you know, Tom and Jerry, Animaniacs, Invader Zim, that kind of stuff. Is there any other cartoons that you remember watching as a kid that have influenced you going into your work now? Actually, actually, yes. Um, in terms of like sound design, there are three that took my in that I got I got really inspired by. OK, the first one was surprisingly the Wild Thornberries. <laughs> Great show. That's a good uh, show. Which, yeah. I, I, I attached to, to that show because I will confess it hit really close to home when I was a kid. Really? I'm living in the boat and living in the van. <laughs> so well, I was living on a, I was living on a sailboat and I was travel. I, I, at one point in my life sailed around the world with my family. That's so cool. 
Yeah, that is a badass origin story. So a lot of the instances of like stuff where like uh, Eliza Thornberry is going around doing stuff, I've physically been to some of those places. Like I've been to the Galapagos. I've I've been to That's Australia. So cool. I've been to uh, uh, Tahiti, uh, Fiji, Vanuatu, Tuamotos, uh, Djibouti, uh, and the Red <laughs> Sea, and so on and so forth. It's so good. Um, but the what's interesting about like a lot of the sound design in that show is just the way that the comvi sounds. Yeah. I always found really fascinating. Where like any time that they would like do something in it, there would be something interesting going on. Yeah. Not to mention they would always have like one sound effect mm-hmm. that would be so something that the the creators loved so much they would put at the end of the credits. Yeah, yeah. Mostly <laughs> Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> <Just> uh. Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I did not know for so long that that was Tim Curry as uh, as the dad. It's pro- if if you want me to be honest, it's probably one of my favorite performances for him. Yeah, he's great. You really and is. It's just because he just absolutely has he has taxed the full extent of the fucks he has. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <He> just goes. <laughs> I think that was why I didn't even make the connection that it was him, just because it was so like out of left field that I wouldn't have thought this actor would do a role like that. It was just completely insane. And I, I think, I think great. The, there, there's one bit in that show which I will confess influenced me a lot more than I care to admit. Okay. And it's when Nigel gets to edit for the first time. And he turns over his shoulder and goes, Marianne, if I move this quickly back and forth, I can make them sound look like they're doing a nice little jig of a dance. I remember that. Oh, my God. I do that every I do that every project I work really, on. Really? Every single one? <laughs> every single one. Oh. That was so cool. Every, every single one. I'm just scrubbing back and forth like, I am a god amongst <laughs> I <am> footage. <laughs> the other two shows, I, I, I have to add a third one because now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, go, go. Um, uh, Ed and Nettie was another one that, oh, that really caught my attention. Brilliant. Mostly due to the fact that it was such a, a grounded and mundane premise mm-hmm. that was accelerated to a ludicrous direction simply because of how they animated the characters and how they portrayed the sound design. The sound design is so influential of like how how madcap and and insane it Mm -hmm. is and just honestly noisy. Oops, sorry. Um, (laughs) That you hear it in YouTube poops. Yeah. You, you hear it in Gmod videos. Mm-hmm. You hear it in, it's like an entire meme where people just replace a show's sound design with Ed and Eddie styled sound design. Yeah. But it again, it's one of those kind of cartoons that it lends very heavily to one specific style of animation. And that is that really over the top expressive kind of thing. But did you ever watch Cow and Chicken growing up or IR Baboon? Yes. It's very yes, much that watch same Chicken. studio, isn't it? It feels very much like mm-hmm. that. And you get these tropes of sound effects that you have like stuck in your head. So like if, if I was to say to you like Scooby Doo and Shaggy running, everyone knows, every listener, without me even playing the sound effect of those guys running, you know that same like little bongoy weird sound that everyone has. And I love that you pick up yeah. stuff like that. You know, and that's something you carried over. The the other the other two that I had, I, I was thinking about giving. Um, I was thinking about uh, what do you call it? I was thinking about giving a credit to like Rocco's Modern Life because it's a very similar kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like Ed and Eddie kind of 
took that to its logical extreme. It's that mm-hmm. organized chaos, but, isn't it? It's like, it's yes, just, it's yeah. so yeah, chaotic. Organized chaos. But you could never recreate that if you were just going for just mental noise. No, no. But the last two was Courage the Cowardly Dog. Ah, wonderful. Yep. <laughs> and which just there, there are so many sounds in Courage the Cowardly Dog that I wish I could get my hands on. Yeah, it was scary as well, that show. Though. It was a lot of, it was almost like David Lynch style, dark. like sound, yeah, dark soundscape. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a definitely an invest, I'm invested in the theory of Don Bluth in that mm-hmm. you can, kids are hardy enough and smart enough that you can scare the bejesus out of them. Yeah. As long as you have a point. Yes. You <laughs> love being scared. Yeah. And Courage the Cowardly Dog did not hold back, it, and I appreciate that. It did not. Not all. to mention, like, some sound effects in that show. Like, there, there is such a, a, a style, a theming to things, where one character can show up and you immediately know who it is without having to look on the screen. Yeah. How many times did you hear... Uh, somebody snapped their fingers three times and immediately think that's cats. Yeah. <laughs> Just you hear you hear that like really like smooth, jazzy villain music, and then he just kind of goes, "Ah, screwed it up." It's okay. <laughs> we, we get you put. I'll and fix like, it. Immediately, post. you know what it is. <laughs> or how many people re- think of just the 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 like that the instrument of that music when uh, that guy shows up and goes return the slab slab <laughs> yeah 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 what's your offer <laughs> but uh the la- the last one which i will say really made me finally say i need to pay more attention to sound mm-hmm. was samurai jack see that was something that kind of missed me samurai jack missed me as a kid and i don't know why it seems like something that i would have enjoyed it's it's slow for a lot of pe- things mm-hmm. like it is it is not a show that has a lot of craziness going on but what i really love about it is there's this one episode probably uh, th- there are two episodes in that series that i absolutely adore one because there's there's for for a story thing and but the one that i want to do- draw attention to mm-hmm. is called jack and the three blind archers okay this is an episode where very little is actually happening Jack is walking through the snow and it's completely quiet and he walks towards this tower after hearing a rumor that there is a well that will grant him a wish. Okay. He takes one step into this into this clearing and an arrow hits his sandal. And he tries walking a little bit closer and the archers are so accurate he has to retreat. Right. Okay. He holds out his hat to try and see if uh, he can distract them. And he finds out that they don't respond. But the moment he drops his hat, it's pelted with six arrows. The archers can't see, but their hearing is so sensitive. They just immediately attack anything that comes within a hundred paces of this tower. And hits the snow. So what Jack does is he goes to a river He sits down and he blindfolds himself. And there's this whole sequence where he's just taking in the sounds. Everything is dark and you see the river slowly come into view from the sound. You hear the birds uh, flapping in the distance. You hear leaves rustling. And 
gradually the sca- the the visuals start to come back in black and white. Oh, wow. Where he can see everything just from listening. I actually got the pleasure of listening to that that episode with headphones. Right. And it is immersive. I'll be watching that afterwards, I think. Yeah, same. Yeah. You paint you the had picture me so you beautifully. Had me. <laughs> it's like well, I need to see for, this for, now. For those yeah. of you who are curious about the other episode, it was uh, Jack and the Minions of Set. If only because of the fact that Jack runs into three people that are just so good at what they do, he just does not attempt to fight them. Oh, really? <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> also, my also one of my favorite lines in that whole thing is when Jack looks at the looks at like the the opening to the Minions of Set's like uh, cell, mm-hmm. immediately recognizes what happened and goes the Minions of Set, and then just gets the shit beaten out of him. <laughs> he doesn't even get to finish the sentence. They just immediately start beating the shit out of him. Amazing. That's so good. No, I'll definitely be going and checking this out. I really, yeah, really will. Yeah, just I want to hear that these like the small sound effects now. Uh, what when it came to uh, Has Been Hotel, I, I sat down with Viv mm-hmm. and I talked to her about what what we wanted to uh, best emulate in terms of an, uh, sound style. Yeah, because you could go for like Batman the Animated Series where it was very grounded. Or you could go for like something a little bit in between, like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Or you could go Madcap, nineteen thirties cartoon thing where there's a bunch of beep bonks and boinks and stuff. Yeah. Or you could go one slight step back with Ed, Ed and Eddie, Angry Beavers, Rocco's Modern Life, mm-hmm. and all of those, which are that controlled chaos. Yes. And she's like, I would really love that. Like, I would love an Invader Zim style Ed, Ed, Ed and Eddie kind of thing where the the sound design is as much a character in the story as we could right. uh, as as like any of the actual characters yeah. yeah and like her animation lends really well to that kind of thing it really well does well enough that i could actually create a what i called an acoustic signature for each of the characters every single character in hasbin hotel has a a a small stable of sound effects that associate with them Yes, yeah, and that's something that definitely um, comes across. Like you very easily notice that. And how how do you sort of go about sourcing the sounds for the characters? Like when you start to make a sound profile for a character. So, um, like Alistair, for example, a lot of people when they think of the sound design go straight to Alistair because the radio sounds and the static as he moves in and out of shots. Oh, so he was fun. I bet it was. <laughs> that, it, that must have been fascinating. Well, a big thing about Alistair was there are, I actually did like a little YouTube thing where I broke down my, my theory on, on that, which was, uh, I had about four separate layers of theming going on with that character at any given time. Right. Oh, wow. The, uh, the first layer of it was just, just when he, when, uh, when he's, uh, talking, he's got this very performance like quality to him Mm -hmm. where he's always got his radio voice going on. The thing about him is that like, he's always doing that kind of performance where he's speaking, he's, he's, he's giving them what he expects. He's hosting a show. Mm -hmm. Um, so when he's uh, talking, you hear that radio quality, but his emotions slip in and out of the performance. So whenever you hear him genuinely excited about something, the radio effect drops. Oh. Briefly, oh, like wow. by syllable. Like um, the most the the most egregious example of this, mm-hmm. I, I know that's like not the greatest word to use for <laughs> that because it sounds worse than it actually is, is when he goes, Alistair, a pleasure to be meeting you, miss. Quite a pleasure. And 
he's saying, Alistair, pleasure to be meeting you, miss. That's in radio. But then when he pulls her close and says, quite the pleasure, the performance is dropped. He's genuinely excited to be meeting her. Oh, cool. Okay. And then you could see that as like a threat kind of thing instead, whereas it's mm. actually his well excitement, which is mental. Well, the, the thing about Alistair is that so much of his emotions are behind a facade. And you have to adapt everything about him to that new layer where there's the, sorry, sorry. There's a <laughs> smaller gradients of his expression. You can tell when he's being mischievous. You can tell him, you can tell when he's being uh, facetious or, or condescending or, or just, or enjoying himself or legitimately upset of, over something or flustered, but it's always behind that lens. Now, the other part that I, the, the second layer that I added was, um, with this audience mm -hmm. that was playing behind him where he had like sound effects of like rim shots of audiences laughing of, of reacting or things like that. I can't confirm or deny what that actually is because I would dare not try and spoil something for, for Viv's, uh, for, for Viv's special project on that. Oh, okay. I had my own theory on what that was. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of played it in my head like they were the the victims of his magic in a, in a way. Yeah, that's why. Like could... they're reacting as part of the show. Yeah. yeah. But again, that that is not canon. Do not <laughs> run away with that. Listeners, calm that down. Big sirens, just like warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy. Amazing. It really is. The third layer is. If I recall, it was. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm reminding myself because it's been a while. It's been like a couple of months since I, I did the thing. Oh, it's okay. But yeah, the second layer is the audience. The third one is all of his movements and his radio chirps. Like when it, you notice how like when he blinks or when he like moves around or other things like that, you hear like little radio. Yeah, it flows with him, doesn't it? Yeah. Like uh, this is in reference. This uh, I, I called this crosstalk. Okay. Because it's reference to two channels being played at once. Yeah. On a radio station, where. Despite all of the uh, the stuff going on with his his speech, all the things that he's saying, all the performance that he's doing, his crosstalk kind of lends into its own form of body language. Yes, yeah. Um, there's a particular moment that I noticed in that when it's when he stood behind Charlie when he's when she's trying to figure him out, and he starts to look evil, and stuff sort of swells up, and as she turns around, it drops. And he's, sm he's smiling again. Mm -hmm. That was a particular beat that I was like, okay, that was really cool. And that was when I started to think this character is like very, very interesting. There are a lot of layers behind what's going on in the sound here. Yeah, I, I took a little bit of ideas from uh, Silent Hill. Yeah. Things, yes. Where whenever you, whenever the, whenever a, when danger was present, mm -hmm. you would start to hear more static intensify on the radio. Yeah. Uh, one case in that was uh, when Vaggie's threatening him. Oh, I love and that. You, it cuts to him briefly when he's like giving that really big grin, mm -hmm. where you hear like all of that static happening. It's almost like, all right, we'll deal with this now. Yeah, <laughs> that that moment where it like swelled up over the screen and it almost feels like it's coming out. It it breaks the the fourth wall almost to you as a viewer when that swells out. And it's actually yeah. quite scary that moment. I was like, whoa, okay. Which, which comes to that last bit where when he finally drops, yeah, when he drops a facade and shows off that that true side of mm -hmm. it. 
Uh, I called it Phantom Power because I'm terrible when it comes to puns. <laughs> if Magus Elgar wasn't any indication of that. Um, whenever Alice, uh, Alistair's serious, we start hearing like demons, warped elk moans, and other horrifying mm-hmm. effects akin to his design because he's got a very elk design does, to him because yeah. of the, the horns and, and so on and so forth. And the sound that an elk makes is actually quite haunting. It yeah. is. It's quite yeah, very um, scary. So like you can actually like hear in like when he's when he when that like when that that deeper when that when that serious stuff is going on, you can hear that in in his performance, and like almost all of the characters have their own form of acoustic signature with each of those uh, in mind. Uh, okay. For example, Husker is about is like a lot of cat noises and. Casino sounds like slot machines, poker chips. Yeah, yeah. Even even with him just moving his hand, you hear like poker chips being uh, like uh, rattled through someone's fingers and like cards being flicked. Um, okay. Despite the fact that he doesn't have, he's not made out of poker. Yeah, he's chips. not doing that actual thing. <laughs> Is there a character that um, you find found that was your favorite to make the profile for? Nifty. Nifty. I mean, <laughs> that was Alistair, straight don't get me nifty. wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved Alistair. Mm-hmm. And I will always put him on a completely different echelon. But if I didn't have Alistair, mm-hmm. it would be Nifty. I'm curious about okay. The reason why is because... Yeah, I can, good I can yeah. get into that in a Please. moment. But uh, the, the reason why I like Nifty so much is because she does so much in under a minute. Yeah, she's all over yeah. the place. She's bouncing and up and down. For for the entire for for that brief moment when she shows up on screen, the whole show just stops to focus on her because she is moving so fast yeah. and doing so much in a short amount of time that I had to create a very clear understanding of who she was in the sound design as quickly as I physically could. <laughs> just throwing shit in there. Go, so she's go. got like a lot of she's got a lot of like uh, vinyl scratching, uh, like uh, corduroy pants, like uh, swiping back and forth. Um, uh, little noises where like I actually had been making a lot of like uh, sounds with my mouth to try and mimic like bugs. Oh, okay. okay it's that abrupt and organized at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, because that that's how she works, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you like you hear like skittering across the floor really quickly, mm-hmm. and like just if you if you listen to that segment, that bit, that that one minute took me more time than the entirety of. Uh, uh, Angel Dust's opening. Wow, really? <laughs> Just because of how much was going on. No way! Wow, that's insane. So, like, <clears throat> if let's let's take a take a mine adventure. Like, come with me, Jordan. You two, we're going back. Oh, going back. I thought so, you were going to abandon me. Yeah, <laughs> you can wait there. Wait there. No. So, when they approach you for this job, and you were like, "Okay, we're going to go and make our first the first scene for these guys," they gave you the first files, like. What did you do? Like, did you start a profile? Did you start straight into a scene? How did you feel? You nervous or? What? Well, I mean, I was nervous as, as all get out because <laughs> there was going to be this. I, I'm finally working on like a big cartoon. Yeah, and it's one that I've been watching for a year and a half now. Um, but of course, veneer of professionalism. Yes, that's about Expert. half an inch thick. Um, <laughs> I, I scheduled a spotting session with Vivian where we went to Melody Gun Studios and we sat down and we just watched what we had. And as we're watching it, I would stop and go and be like, okay, I've got an idea on what I want to do with this character. Here's what I want to do with this character. And she'll be like, oh, I like that or oh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. And we eventually built 
an acoustic signature for each individual character where we would be like, okay, I've got ideas on what I want to do for this. I've got ideas for what I want to do with that. You can actually see aspects of that being retained in Hell of a Boss's main series. Okay. Um, I'm, 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 in, I'm a sound editor on that project, so I'm not like mm-hmm. the lead sound designer because uh, the absolutely phenomenal George Peters is like uh, helping like supervise everything. Uh, he was the... Uh, sound supervisor for Harley Quinn. Oh wow! Um, okay, so wow. W- working Jeez. with him has been has very been very enlightening. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Just for a lot of one very quick. So, did you kind of have an inkling of how huge this kind of stuff was going to become? Because obviously, like they're getting absolutely, they've got millions and mu- millions of views. So you were just as soon as you heard about it, you were like, "Nap straight in there. This is going to be big." Yeah, I'm here. This is me. You hear about a lot of people <laughs> that fall it, into stuff, keep in don't mind. you? I, I'd been watching her since Die Young, which has like, I think, 60 million views now. Yeah, about that. And yeah. it's it's phenomenally animated. Like, she was already, like, pretty pretty distinct before she yeah. even started working on, like, making announcements and stuff like that. And then I saw that trailer, and I'm like, this is going to be great. This is going to be massive. Like, there was there was no question that when it came, if it came out, it was going to be big. Yeah, enough, it, it created a I mean, whole fandom. Oh that, yeah, it yeah, really did. The fandom is crazy. Absolutely loves it. Like I, I've watched a couple of the honey casts and stuff because, like, I, I like watching the animating processes they go oh. through, and they're good fun. But good God, the the fandom is great fun. Uh, it's such good fun to watch. Uh, Ashley is an absolute wonderful human being. She and, is. Yeah. Uh, her. Well, she and, seems it. You know, I, I don't know her personally exactly, but yeah, she seems great. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, uh, the, the two of them are just are just wonderful people. Like I get to I get to talk to them every now and again because like you know mm-hmm. we're all busy working and stuff. But the rare chance that I get to talk or play a game with them or something like that, they are they're just fun loving people. Yeah, it comes across and it comes across in the work. That's what's so good. That's what's so nice to see. It seems like such a great community to be a part of. Can you can you give any advice to any creators listening? Because I know that we have animators we have game devs listening we have people who do voices that sort of stuff yeah um, absolutely for anything for their work on their own characters or any sound profiles or you know well um from a technical standpoint find a daw uh digital yes. audio workstation please don't just like uh jump into windows movie maker or windows uh yes. recorder or something and hope that'll be the best but don't be don't knock the free programs Mm-hmm. At least when you're starting off. My my first program was called WavePad, which is a even more archaic and uh, uh, jankier thing than uh, Audacity because oh, wow. <laughs> it's only got one track. Oh shit! I made, okay. I made entire audio. I made entire audio dramas with one track. Really? Um, my, my first audio drama uh, that I made in college, like early, like undergrad college, yeah, was was that was was in, with one track and stuff. It was it, it like looking back on it now, it is exactly what you would expect of one guy recording from a laptop microphone in a dorm room in two thousand six. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> sounds of the time sounds of the time but the idea is is that like the the things that you have passion for the things mm-hmm. that you're excited about you would be surprised how often that turns into a talent that you can use for work 
for for your totally. career. Mm-hmm. I I went into the film industry to be a video editor, but I found that making my own audio dramas were a lot of fun. I found that making sound effects and making parodies of stuff was a lot of fun. One of my first cartoon anything's that I did was a a parody of an abridged parody of Pokemon. Okay. Right when <laughs> right when. Uh, uh, little Karibo started making Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged Series. Right. right, okay. Fun fact, I got banned from YouTube permanently, and I'm still banned from YouTube on that account. Really? Oh, uh, wow. Po- Pokemon don't mess around, man. They, no, they no, do not. Yeah, they're ruthless. They do not it's mess super around. effective. <laughs> I got flagged three times for that one video. But um, the point that I'm trying to make is that you do not have to wait until someone tells you to do something to be Mm -hmm. able to make something phenomenal. The best way that I was able to get to where I am was because I did not wait behind other, other productions that I was, I was feeling like was not to the extent of what I wanted to do. Okay. Doing the best that you can possibly do. Like we don't we we only have so much time on this planet. Why do why should we waste it on mediocrity? Do the best you exactly. can. And 100%. The effort that you put into it, it might not 100% be the most successful thing in the world, but you made a thing. And that's truly worth celebrating. That is the most wholesome statement I've ever heard. Thank you, Kennedy, for that. I'm sure yeah. some creators out there right now will be like, yes, I can do this. Single, just I'm tears so rolling down cheeks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that was amazing advice. That's honestly like the the feeling that I got when I when I finished making Mega Selgar. It was, it was my last ditch chance at directing something, but I wanted to make something that resonated with people, which was... Mm-hmm. In, in that show, magic is kind of like an allegory for the cre- uh, creativity in us. Okay. And a lot of it is just working people through the the pitfalls and the the happenstances that come with trying to make that magic come out. Um, nice. It's cool. It's dangerous uh, sometimes. Like some people can get really upset by it or really offended or or worse they might get an idea that that twists in a direction that you had never possibly anticipated but that's part of the risk it is because you're trying to through that creativity you're trying to share an experience with somebody that's what storytelling is it's our diluted version of attempting to share the experiences of our life with somebody yes share an aspect of our identity through our humor or through just our thought process. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's how you end up connecting with such amazing people when you're creating things like this. I mean, some of the people that we've met from doing this podcast just in the podcasting community from people making, you know, their own audio dramas, like you're saying, or whether it's even just like a movie review show, it really opens up different routes of thought from people that you would never would have even met before, especially in the age of now, you know, in the internet, like me and Jordan have met friends from all over the world, literally just because of doing this show. Yeah. And they are like some of the best people we have ever, ever met. And we're just so grateful, you know, like it's it's great to have you on and connect over this kind of stuff. 
there was there's one thing I want to ask about before we move away from has been and hell of a boss. And I didn't realize that actually been on your YouTube channel before. And I'd seen one of your videos a couple of months back and it was the the addict music video that they couldn't <laughs> afford the, uh, the music so it's basically just angel on a pole going eh, eh, mm, eh, and then oh, yeah I, so I, I, have to, I have to confess i have to confess um mike boggs was the one that came up with that idea initially but right. i took one look at the first part of that and i go can we make this a f- i want to make this a full thing i need to do the whole thing let's do more <laughs> So uh, like did, after after that initial bit where like he passes out like the the yeah. entire like a big piece of the middle like with uh with uh, cherry bomb that's all me and the part at the very end where they're like doing the dance that's also all me but like getting their voices to do it just was <laughs> was funny I'm I am admittedly tempted to try and do more of those kinds of things with music videos you should it was yeah. like, really, I, really like funny. how how fun would it be to make a version of that for mystery skulls oh do it yes do it that would be so I, good i, 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 I that would but i have a i have a distinct feeling they would be very upset with me if i did that maybe i'd be, maybe. I'd be very much taking the piss i mean how how did viv feel about it like did did you ask her beforehand or did you just be like yeah of course i, I did of a course thing i asked Sorry. her permission <laughs> like, okay. she'll love it's like, it hey, it'll be great hey, it's like be hey great. i did a th- I, I went to her and said, hey, I did a thing. Don't be mad. And I, yes. I played it to her and she's <laughs> like, uh, I, I had a feeling she was going to enjoy it if only because she and I have that that slight bit of connection where we both love YouTube poops. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she looked at it and she goes, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you were met with just like stony resolve. What would you have done? Just like, get out. I would have been like, well, <laughs> this was a fun that, little curiosity. This was my career. <laughs> Oh no, no. Honestly, the, the biggest mess up that I ever made was uh from from that kind of thing was when I was working at Crest Animation on Alpha and Omega. Have Come you on, heard of that us. movie? I don't think I have, no. I've heard of it. Alpha and Omega uh very much descended into f- uh furry bait. Okay. Uh <laughs> as a film. It was it was about uh an alpha wolf and omega wolf being pulled away from their packs and they have to find their way home. So, you know. Okay. Think Homeward Bound meets Romeo and Juliet. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. It was not a great film. It was, uh, <laughs> but I was happy to be working on it because I was an intern uh, learning the ropes about animation. And I got to meet uh, Richard Rich, who was the director and producer of The Swan Princess. So during my time, my time there, uh, I was doing editing. I was uh, wrangling footage. I was uh, helping with acting smackers and... Uh, I'm sorry, Dur- what? And, and helping with sound effects. Oh, ba- basically the directors act out a scene and the animators try to mimic that scene. So oh, okay, okay, right. Instead of like having storyboarding, they're like just do- they're like doing like visual <laughs> reference for them to. I was say, to there must go be a for. union against acting smackers right now. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at one point, I, I was given unfettered access to the, f- the the editing stage and I had no work to do. It was like the last day, like one of the last days I was going to be working on the project. Mm-hmm. Like one of the last two days. I found all the acting smackers of Richard Rich and the director acting like nutcases. I can see why this is they, they're, they're like trying to like pose as wolves and stuff like that and it was really funny. Mm. Where at one point I actually found Richard Rich doing this absolutely uh, just this ridiculous dance. <laughs> That made him look like such a goober. 
Yeah. So I pulled up the Fensler film G.I. Joe parody of like somebody dying of a heart attack. Right. Uh, where they're like, fucking old school. And they're like doing oh, that's that the dance. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that and, I, and I had Richard Rich dancing to that segment. Oh, and I like I edited it together where they're like uh, all the way to the point where it's like these beats are fresh. And I even got him to <laughs> lip sync him saying it. Wow. I was unreasonably proud of it. But but then I got called away to go to work and I got up and I went to work and I left the project open. Oh, oh no! Rookie mistake. And he found it. Oh, oh. thank God! <laughs> That's so good. How much trouble did you get in? He was not happy with me. I mean, I, bet. Like, I was an I was an intern at the project mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and he, uh, he he took a look at that and I'm like, so I. What was funny was that like uh, it did it did bite me in the butt a, a couple of years later when like uh, I got I finally got my schooling done and stuff like that and I called them up and say like hey. I'm available. Would you like uh, me to come in to help out? And it's like, no. No. Okay. No. Or else I'm going to release the video. In, 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 all, in all fairness, I might have dodged a bullet because the movies that were made after that point in that studio was Alpha and Omega 2, Alpha and Omega 3, Alpha and Omega 4, Alpha and Omega 5, Swan Princess 4, Swan Princess 5. So we're talking straight to video, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Still straight to VHS yeah. in 2020. Yeah, yeah, that's how bad. <laughs> Literally straight to VHS and then yeah. in the bin. God, man. Well, I I'm learned a lot from that, anyway. from that place, though. They were they were they were wonderful people over there. Well, that's good. At least you had the good time working there. That's that can be yeah. very important. And and the other people you meet, you know, the teams that you meet, the connections you make with the people. That's that can be a, a large part of it, anyway. Uh, we we have some questions for you as we you you I know you you retweeted for us the um the post that I put out for some questions that people might want to ask you. Uh, we did put it out on Reddit as well. So we have a couple of questions from a couple of the fans that wanted to ask you some stuff. So this one I'm comes convinced from... convinced that you got five questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I got quite a few, actually. I'll try and burn really? through them. Really? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> so the first one comes from the random One Piece fan. And they just said, congrats. Can I ask how, fe- how it feels to work on the show? I just thought that would be a good question to ask. So just straight up, how does it feel? How it feels. Dank. To be honest, I can sum it up. <laughs> Uh, one particular instance that is etched on my on the very spirit of myself and that was when we had a screening for hell okay. for has been hotel and hell of a boss right before we were going to release it it was like early october mm-hmm. last year and i i worked with uh viv had asked that we could make a theater cut of of the sound design and i made a 5.1 cut so like there exists a surround there actually exists a surround sound version of has, has been hotel. Yeah. At least an earlier cut of it. But um we played in a the movie theater and God, that must be cool. It felt it felt incredible. Where we actually got all the all the animators, all the voice actors, everybody together and we had such a great time. That sounds wonderful. I gotta find the raw I've got the raw footage of that of that night that like one of us needs to edit at some point, but we got to a point where like Viv had planned this whole weekend for us mm-hmm. where we went to her house and she made us food. Oh, um, that's nice. We had like a big banquet. We had the movie theater. We, we went to uh, a speakeasy bar after that. The next day we went out uh, for, for lunch at, uh, at this uh, really amazing ramen place. that was a hole in the wall that unfortunately yes. closed down because <laughs> of the coronavirus. 
Oh, no. shit. Um, oh. It sucks because it was in the center of, uh, it was like in the heart of LA too. Really? Um, oh, no way. We had like a dinner at uh, the same steakhouse that uh, Walt Disney used to go to. Wow. And like okay. I got to talk about my sound stuff with them and everything like that. But the bit that really got to me was we got together for karaoke on the last <laughs> night. Cool. <laughs> and we got together, like there was like 50 of us in this in this room doing karaoke and Michael Kovacs got up and sang, uh, Viv got up and sang. She, I actually like snuck die young on the, on the track so that she would end up having to sing it. Nice. And that moment of all of them, like dancing together, laughing, yelling and stuff. It felt like being part of a community, like a real community for just one project and being allowed to have that experience shared with me. It's something I'm always going to hold pretty close to me. Yeah, but God, you're going to bring tears to my eyes. That was beautiful. Whenever I'm working <laughs> on this project, I'm, I'm thinking of, of that weekend. Yeah. Because there, of course there's going to be like friction every now and again and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's the film industry. It's, yeah. And yeah. even with Great cartoons, like there's going to be like, th there might there might be drama that comes up, or there might be hardship that comes up, or there might be dead hard drives. <laughs> but you made we we made this thing together because we we truly love animation, and we love sharing this one piece of ourselves with each other, and effectively, the rest of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. That was a great was answer to a really nice question. Really cool, dude. Amazing. Our next question comes from Thundercat7. Whatever happened to Thundercats 1 through 6, I'm not sure. but They got remade said, into Thundercats War. <laughs> he said, or she said, and I'm sure, he said, can you ask if he ever thinks that there is a time when there aren't enough sounds? So was there any times when you thought that you would have liked to put more sounds and you didn't have time? Or, yeah. The way that I actually work in a lot of my sound design um, has been a piece of contention for a lot of people. Actually, like one of the main criticisms about Has Been Hotel was that there was too much. There was way too I think much. that was one of the questions that we did get on Twitter was asking about that as well. So we can roll that into this one if about yeah, too much you or too what? little. You know what? That is entirely valid. That is, that is fair. <laughs> that is... Uh, I. I was in that project and I wanted to make sure that I gave it my absolute best. And it was also my first time working on a cartoon of that caliber. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give it like the, the, the soundscape and the attention that it deserved. And that probably like the soundscape that you hear is the cumulate uh, is the culmination of an entire month being left to myself to work on this thing. <laughs> and I, I, I must've worked on it for over 200 hours. Wow. Oh, wow. On that project. But, um, again, the criticism was there was a lot of noise and there was a lot of sound effects in, in some places, which yeah, there, there could have, we've could have scaled back a little bit, but, uh, the way that I do those kinds of uh, projects is that I will give much more than is needed. Okay. Of what things that like would feel natural for me, and we dial back to the director's taste. So the idea is that like we've got all the paints on the canvas, mm -hmm. and I ask him, okay, which paints do you want to take out? So you're whittling, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll whittle it down until we get to a comforting 
level that we're that, a comfortable level that we want. Which mm-hmm. uh, I, even like Gooseworks, uh, who was uh, the other sound designer on the project, she took a look at this. It's like there's too much here. <laughs> this is a and lot. <laughs> she's like, this is a lot. Which is. Uh, which she's wicked talented. You should see a lot of her her own cartoons. She's got this great sense of timing, especially. With I don't her think sound I've effects. ever watched her stuff. I'll have to. I'll, I'll track look up. Them down look up little. You need to look up Little Runmo. It's a. It starts off like as just this like fun little video game, and then it descends yeah. into madness. <laughs> and it's that's all I'll tell you. L- little Runmo, did you say? Little Runmo. Runmo. But yeah, like I, uh, when I went into the production project with Viv, like we, we discussed a lot about like what sounds we should have. We actually went second by second be like, okay, there's a lot of noise here. Do you want more? Or do you want less? Do you want to keep it? Do you want to pull, pull it back? And like, we, we go through that in the mixing and everything like that. So it's, it's what we both wanted. Yeah. I walked away from that learning a lot about where I should have something and where I should dial back. But the style of Has Been Hotel is very madcap and very all over the place. But mm-hmm. if you actually watch the pilot for Hell of a Boss, I took those lessons to heart for that project and dialed back a lot uh, in, in some of those other ones just to be like, okay, let's let's make this a little bit more grounded. Yeah. Um, you can notice the difference, but I, I think that it's, even though they're, you know, they're in a, they're the same universe, essentially, it's it feels different in the essence of the show anyway. Like they don't feel like the same show. And I, I like that for what they are, you know, I, yeah, I like love we them wanted both to separately. Make it, we, we wanted to reflect the difference in tone and premise in mm-hmm. the sound design as well. Where like we've got, we don't have as many wacky sound effects in it because it's very much more like an, like an office kind of situation. But we have like, um, we have like a uh, hell being a lot more cartoony. And then when we get to the real world, we've got like any cartoony sounds that we have, we dial back really heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a big thing about hell of a boss was that we wanted to take all the lessons and, and pitfalls that we had in has been hotel and master what we were going to do for it, which eventually also got reflected in Zoophobia, where we found like an in-between between, has been hotels cartooniness and hell of a boss's slightly more groundedness. Okay. Right. Sweet. Well, there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> what I would say, but to answer your question about like when you need more sounds is, does it help tell the story better? Exactly. Yeah. Does it help you understand a character better? If it tells more to the story for something to be quiet, pull them back. Then have it quiet. Yeah. A good example of this is we actually do have a quiet moment in Hasbin Hotel where Charlie walks outside and has a conversation with her mom. She's on the phone, yeah. Yeah. Or rather, she she leaves a voice message on her mom. Yeah. She <laughs> has her a, on mute permanently. Yeah. It's a poignant moment. It cuts through. It does. Yeah, but you'll notice that we don't have... We don't have any cartoony sounds going on. We don't have any wacky bouncing or anything like that. We just have the ambience of hell mm-hmm. and her footsteps kind of echoing on the patio. Um, I actually have a video on, on my YouTube called has been hotel behind the scenes where I actually remove all the dialogue and all the music. So you could just hear the sound um, oh. that scene and the very beginning scene people have described as it saying it's actually chilling to listen to. Cause it sounds really like hell. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely be checking and that out as well. It's there. It is there. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it is a layer for when things get quiet, we re- you realize that this place is terrible. It's kind of awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. like I said, it, it, it makes the moments stand out way more because of that. And I think I appreciate the soundscapes before and, you know, the, the, the chaos and the car- cartoony sounds that when that moment hits, it makes the the emotion hit harder because of how contrasting it is to the moment before and after it. So it's a huge jumping yeah. position, like I, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And do, that's a film technique where you, if you are going to have something scary, you have something slightly funny or lighthearted beforehand and then you hit with a scare and it makes a it stand of expectation. out. More. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. a, there's a movie that I could do an entire masterclass on. Um, I actually made it as my thesis dissertation on sound theory where, okay, it's a movie called Paranormal Activity. Yes, we know which it. Is a Never movie, heard of it. <laughs> which is a movie that needs to be seen in a movie theater. Yes, or with a really great. good sound system. Mm-hmm. It does not work without it. No. Like the film as a whole does not work nearly as well without its sound design. That's how important it is. The yeah. reason why is not what they do with sound, but what they do with the perceived absence of it. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with paranormal activity, if you hadn't been, if you were much younger and were not old enough to watch that kind of movie, paranormal activity is a cheap film that was made with four hundred a uh, budget of four hundred thousand dollars of yeah. two people living in a house that has been haunted by a malicious ghost, and it's just footage of them dealing with it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much in the found footage style of the Blair Witch Project, of Record and Quarantine, if you want to watch the American version of it. <laughs> um, but one important moment that happens throughout this film is when the ghost shows up. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything. You don't, he- you don't hear anything. But... You feel it. You're watching the movie and suddenly your chest starts to vibrate. Your jaw starts to lock up and you feel your hands imperceptibly starting to tighten against the armrests. Something is wrong and you don't know why. You don't hear anything. There's, There's nothing on the screen. There's no sound being played. But as it turns out, there is. If you look at the uh, the wavelength of the film, there is a sound being played. There's there's nothing on the the high end or the mid end, but the low end is going fucking crazy. <laughs> the LFE is vibrating so badly you can actually see if you put down like uh, like uh, M and M's or something, you can see them like vibrating a little bit or like moving a little. <laughs> you feel that presence. Wow. It's that that low frequency that juxtaposed with that absence of sound that makes you suddenly feel incredibly tense. That's genius. And it holds on it for yeah. a few seconds and you're wondering what's going to happen, who's going to jump out, who's going to kill you. And then a door opens. Yeah. And the vibration <laughs> goes away. All that tension for the door opens a little bit. Yeah, I know. I remember that in the cinema. I remember that bit. I remember sitting and watching it and, and just in, like... And, being, and instead of you being like, that's it, you go, oh, <gasps> the door! <laughs> the door! Yeah. 
I thought she got very suddenly clever. that door yeah. is much more important just because you felt that tension of something bad is about to happen. Yeah. That's so cool that it almost like gives you this image of pressure building in the room and the door literally releases the pressure yeah. from the room. Like, yeah, that's very clever with visuals. Yeah, like too. Uh, recently a video game, Phasmophobia, is is doing something yeah. really fun with that where yes, it's I've very my brother cheap scream game in still in early access. It's a very cheap game still in early access, but something they did just, just like as a small thing is you're outside and like the, the space feels open, it's raining. And then you step inside and you feel like you're in a cave because you hear mm -hmm. the, the deep hollow air of, of uh, you hear the deep hollow sound of the air conditioning rumbling. And it's that drone that makes you feel a little bit on edge because there's something wrong with this place that you've walked into. Okay. So much can be done with an absence of sound or more accurately, the perceived absence of sound. Yes, yes. That was something we mentioned last week, wasn't it, Jordan? We say, did a, in the horror episodes. I've got perfect example of that because we're talking about video games. Have you ever heard of Dead... Uh, not Deadwood. Darkwood. Darkwood. I think I've heard of it. Top down, mm -hmm. like, you're walking... It's like a forest is engulfed part of, like, Eastern Europe. Um, and mm -hmm. it's just like... The, the intro to the game is you're walking out into the forest, but it's basically silent... And it's just like, because it is a horror game and I, I will not mm. complete it because I'm terrified of it. There are no jump scares, I'm just terrified. But I was playing it and I was like walking. I said to my mate, I was like, right, watch this. And I was walking, he was like, nah, that silence is well loud. Not having that. It's like the silence is too loud. Like the perceived absence of it is just like, it's scary. I don't like it. It's just yeah, amazing. I definitely recommend yeah. having a quick look at some of it. It's just amazing. Yeah, watch some of the playthrough uh, yeah, it of it. Me, it makes it makes me actually think of the first uh, Dead Space yep. video game. Yes, love it. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the way they do they do scares in that in terms of like jump mm -hmm. scares and stuff because it's a little too bombastic, especially with yeah. like the music. Where if you try listening to the soundtrack of the music uh, on its own, it just doesn't work. It's because all of a sudden, yeah, it's a bit it's, ghost it's, train. It's too, it's too stemmy. It's ghost too train. incidental. Where like, yeah. it's like, oh, here's some little creepy music. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would describe the the uh, the soundtrack of Dead Space as a uh, a very easily frightened violinist being locked in a room for too long. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> is actually perfect. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, um, but in the quiet moments, if you just when nothing's happening. And you're just standing in the middle of, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the ship. Uh, it's been so long. I'm sorry. But if you're, sta you're standing in the middle uh, of the ship. Yeah, USG. Ishimura. And you're just soaking in the environment. You realize there's so much going on mm -hmm. in the background. It's never just quiet. It's never just completely silenced. There's things rattling about off in the distance. There's pipes stretching and straining. There's screeching of metal going on so far in the back at the very edge of your hearing that there's always this sense of apprehension mm -hmm. that yeah. I really appreciate. Especially if like you like uh, the you do that thing where you tilt the analog stick and you just move the camera around and if you're wearing headphones it moves the space yes. with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fun. You it's never so feel cool. safe. Yeah. Never. Yeah, you don't. There's always ever something in that you game. can always mistake as a necromorph. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, uh, uh, going back to the question, 
when is a, go a good time to to not ha to have more sounds and have and not have more sounds? Does it help tell the story? There you go. <laughs> nice answer, dude. Yeah, nice answer. Or, or you know, um, if it's really funny, like if you want to put a fart noise in there and it feels like the pin pinpoint pitch perfect opportunity to do it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not above putting a fart noise in a cartoon. <laughs> Got to be done sometimes. <laughs> no one should be above putting a fart noise in a cartoon. No, never. If it's called for, it's called for. Uh, we have another question from. This one is from Minnesota. So I guess I'm like Minnesota on Reddit. And they said, what about that sound that Moxie makes after he makes Blitz miss his shot in episode one of Hell of a Boss? The one that everyone is currently memeing. Like, what is it? What made that? What made you choose it? And even the, what the is the selecting sound? process to use? Yeah, he like go. I think he goes like, Ugh! he makes like a bit of a, a heave. Oh, when Moxie does that? Oh, when yeah, Moxie, Moxie does goes, that? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was that was not sound design. Just Richard that was Horvitz. just Richard Horvitz. Yeah, yeah. That that, <laughs> that was his performance. No, you have to, the thing is, is that like I know I know everybody's making a big thing out of that, of like, oh, what was that in the sound design? No, like if you've ever watched Angry Beavers, he makes that sound all the time. Yeah, it's just his, it, that's his just, mouth. He's just a phenomenal <laughs> performer. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's one of the great. Like as soon as I I heard that he was involved with Hell of a Boss, I was like, oh god, I'm I'm so because like Invader Zim was massive. Oh, Angry oh yeah, Invaders, but the I, fact yeah. that he's playing off type is so good. I know it he's almost a so straight guy. He's like he's like the straight man. He's like it, yeah, yeah. It's and so also strange. also the fact that like he's he's actually a good singer, but never gets the opportunity to sing in a cartoon. So Viv's yeah. like. We need him to sing. <laughs> I was surprised now. when he sang the the, uh, the Millie song. That was great. I, I I love that he's. It's essentially a voice that I'm so used to, but in this cartoon he's allowed to say fuck, and I'm just like, yes, this is what <laughs> you know. I'm ready. What I've aged up now. I'm ready a to child. hear it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So there you go, Minister. That, that, it's it's always <laughs> that. It's always that surprise. Like I think uh, what was it? Uh, Noodle on YouTube summed it up so well. Like if you hear somebody saying "fuck" all the time, it's it's not going to be really special. But if you hear mm -hmm. like a really quiet guy who never really speaks up or says anything and he just says, "Guy's a fucking asshole," your immediate response is, "Oh my god, who hurt you?" Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> that was real. Everyone just like quick, like what? You're not, you don't say this. Whoa. I'm curious as well about, so we always said about Richard Horvitz. So had you heard of Stamper beforehand? Yes, I had heard of Stamper I, before because I, I had Stamper. the absolute wonderful opportunity to listen to his narration in Battle Block Theatre. Oh, that was so my good. first exposure to him. But everything he does, like even down to um, hit people as well, where mm -hmm. he does like all of oh, the, God. all of like He was great in pit people, but. The the bit that made me say, okay, I need to hear everything this guy does is in Battle Block Theater where he, the, but where suddenly a storm shows up. Yes, wishoo, storm. Wishoo, wishoo. And then a shark like showed Poseidon. up. Stamper actually confessed that like, yeah, like 90% of those moments were just improv. Oh, they just told me to tell no a story and I'm like, all right. Oh, it's the moment it, yeah. like, where Poseidon offers his hand up in friendship, and he spat <laughs> and in, his mouth. in his mouth. <laughs> uh, we've uh, Sampus yeah, is amazing. That like that's, I didn't know he was in Has Been until I watched it, and I until was like, Serpentius. I was like, yeah. oh my god! I was like, I fucking love Stamper. He's amazing. Just everything he does. I had the to. Voices. I had to I had to be very careful about it because I really did not want to disrupt his voice with too much sound uh too much of his acoustic signature. 
Yeah. But I did I did sneak in uh anytime he had a syllable where he had to he had a sibilance to his voice. The I snake. actually had like a yeah. slight little hiss or yeah. actually uh the sound of an of a air pressure cleaner going Oh wow, okay. Bit. Wow. For for the hard S's or the soft S's, like for the softer ones, it'd be like a, a, long, a shorter hiss. But if he's trying to do like a, like a more aggressive thing where he's like, speak up, it'd be like a... Oh, so like he's almost got like a little, the tongue's like flicking. Like, yeah, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a great idea. That's awesome. Well done. Oh, man. Yeah, he, he's, he's really funny. We, we actually messaged him and was like, if you yeah. if you want to come and chat, I, definitely come on. I We'd love to chat to you like, I'd point. love to get Stamper on here, but I know that I just freak out the he entire is, time. Um, He's yeah, also he a would. very busy man. He yeah, is I think Ashley busy, had a hard time getting a hold of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. he's only been on one of the Honeycasts, I think, hasn't he? My yeah. toe hurts so much. <laughs> <laughs> like Al- Alistair, like uh, uh, Ed Bosco is like trying to do one of his requests as Alistair, mm-hmm. and like Stamper's in the back interrupting him, and he's like, "What? What is it?" And Stamper goes, "My toe hurts so much." I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and, and it's just like. God damn it! Yeah, yeah. I think that episode is just called "We We Got Stamper," isn't we, it? I'm so we sure got it, Stamper, yeah. So we got Stamper. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's actually kind of fun, like when I see like animations of of Honeycast, and yeah, knowing that I'm in it or that I had a hand in it, like uh, like there's this one uh thing where like there was a radio drama that like a mock radio drama done mm-hmm. uh during our I think it was the Australia Fires uh charity event. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I actually yeah. watched that where, one. Live, yeah. Where Alistair does an audio drama with uh with uh, Angel Dust. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because I actually wrote that script. Oh wow. And I gave okay. it to them and I said, Could you read that? could you read this? And like it, like it got it's it's not only uh, did people absolutely love that segment, it's been animated twice. Oh, wow. The the animations are great. There's uh, there's been a load of really good ones. There's one where it's the guys from B Stars came on as well. And oh yeah, that one was great. The, have you got soup? Why are you in the soup store? Like ah, uh. oh, that's <laughs> always so a fun good. segment to do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that. Done. I feel like the soup thing is like our our the modern day equivalent of who's on first. Yes. Yeah. Where did the soup thing come from? I feel like I've completely missed the soup thing. Came, the actual thing. The soup thing came from a uh, uh, an an abridged parody of an anime. Right. Which was uh, from Code Ment. Code Ment. Uh, which I believe was like uh, based off of a, I, I, it was an anime that I never watched. But the guy who does it uh, is just so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, found he, it. like all, that, all that whole show has like, got, they've got like great little segments similar to that. It's not the same as I Met Soup, but it's still like wicked funny. If you can find yeah, Code yeah. Ment, I highly recommend it. Yes, I'll, I'll watch the original for sure. Uh, I'm going to skip over Hayden TCM's question as it's the question about having uh, a lot of sound on a certain thing. So we've answered <laughs> your question there, Hayden, just so you know. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to you, though, on Twitter because you've got an awesome picture of Angel Dust as a clone trooper from Star Wars. And he's an artist and your art is really good. He's oh, at Peterman cool. underscore T. So check out that, listeners, if you want to see some cool artwork. Uh, let's see. I'm feeling memeish on Reddit. They said, could you please ask him... I know, yeah. What the best day on the job was. So I know that you said about going out afterwards, but is there a certain day in the process that you enjoyed the most? Final Final Mix was really a good day because when 
Viv had 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 told me that she was starting to feel really fatigued by the whole mm-hmm. process because she hadn't been sleeping. Oh wow! Like she hadn't slept for days. Yeah, it had been a long process um, anyway, hadn't it? It had been like two years she'd been trying to get the show going for It had been about two that. years, yeah. Because yeah. like, they were all like independent animators. Uh, people were jumping yeah. in and out of the project. And a lot of people, this was their first time doing something this big. Wow, okay. Because um, it was all independent animators. And Viv was doing a lot of the work herself. Yeah. Like there was, there were, there were periods where like she would talk to me at like 4.30 in the morning. Oh, not realizing that it was 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> She's just still going, yeah. She was just still going. But when we, uh, so, so she confessed to me, like, I'm feeling like this, I was starting to feel really fatigued about this project. Like, I was starting to hate watching this over and over and over again. But seeing it with the sound, she's like, I've fallen in love with this again. That's nice. Aww. That was a great moment. But I would say my favorite day, my favorite singular day working on this thing was the Walla session. Okay. Um, I, I loved I loved doing the Foley, but the Walla session uh, was of particular delight because um, for those of you who don't know what Walla is, uh, oftentimes when you need to record background voices, you're not getting one person talking into a microphone and just like layering that like 50 or 60 times. What you're doing... Yeah is you're getting five or six people, having them stand closer to like the back of the room, have a microphone out, and just have them talk indistinctly. Right, just doing gibberish stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah this, this is usually reference to back in the day when audio fidelity was not to the caliber that it is now, <laughs> where they would just go, walla, 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 to just make it sound like background noise. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Viv, we had Dave Captaville and we had a bunch of Viv's friends who I apologize. I don't remember all of their names. There was like about four or five of them mm-hmm. um, all come into Melody Gun and we recorded Walla of them uh, for Has Been Hotel. So we had them doing like all the demon, all the, all the people laughing, talking in the background and stuff like when people in hell are just walking around or in the TV studio or... Um, the demons when Alistair's doing his whole, they're doing like the whole montage of Alistair being scary. All of those are Walla that we recorded. But my favorite moment in that whole thing was we got them to do the egg boys. (laughs) (laughs) And, and the direction that I ended up giving them was, I want you to just sound like turkeys. Okay. (laughs) Cause they're, they're like, well, like none of us can do the egg boy voice. I'm like, don't worry about it. Just, just make this noise. So yeah. at one point, all of them are, are yelling together going, <laughs> for like their battle cries. They charge in. Oh, that was so good. Oh, it was so, it was so good. Cause like we had to like stop between takes cause they would just would start laughing. <laughs> that shows it was such good fun. Oh my God. I actually have a video great. on my, on my Twitter and my Instagram of recording them doing the wall of sound. Oh, you'll have to link to of, us of and we'll add it boys. in the show notes. Yeah, we'll add links Please. to you. I'll, I'll try to find it where it's just them going like. <laughs> <laughs> I wish listeners could see the video, by the way, oh, right now. We're not streaming this one, unfortunately. Me too. Uh, Zoe, that does answer your question yeah. as well. What was your favorite part about working on the project? Uh, <laughs> I mean, what what, my favorite have? part about working on the project was making Alistair's sound design thing. And when I... Uh, one thing that I would actually do a lot is uh, we had a we had a communal uh, discord for yeah. for you know communication and, and mm. stuff. We would have channels mm-hmm. for each department. Um, what I would do to both 
double check my work and raise morale is I would play segment like like two, three minute segments of my first pass of work. Okay. So that when we would do the work, they'd be like uh, the the animators who are watching this can see that this is actually a thing. We're actually yeah. <laughs> making it. Keep drawing those frame by frame lines. Finish those smudge frames. Do the work. Make yeah. the cartoon. But also, Viv could like take a peek at what I'm doing and be like, "I don't like this. I like this. Keep doing this. Yeah. More of this. Less of this." Um, and when we got to Alistair. And I played that segment where I would have, where he said I would have done so already, and the whole thing starts flipping out and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I had remastered it from the original, which had like a little bit of like spooky static and stuff like that. But because they were upping the 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 static happening on the screen and everything going on, I went. I went all out in that small, like five second clip. It took me like three hours to make like all the noises that I want oh, in the wow. specific way that I wanted. Insane. And when I played it, I had like 15 of the animators just go, holy shit. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck have you done? <laughs> it's just like, whoa. You've summoned yeah. an actual That was demon. already scary, but yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Kennedy's over here, like packing away his Ouija board, just where he got all the sounds from. <laughs> it's honestly like this: the my second favorite like reaction I've gotten from an audience in my life. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I have something I wanted to ask you, and I meant to ask it before during when we were talking about hell of a boss. More during the phone call, where <laughs> when is it? Stolas is on the phone. What does he say without the bleeps? And I'm aware we may have to bleep this for the listeners. But I'm like, I'm trying to pick out what the fuck he's talking about. And I'm like, what? And then in the actual episode as well, I loved that Moxie is running through the forest and he, he runs past he the phone back. and he's still talking on the phone. He says something about being a jam sandwich. And I'm like, I've got to ask. Jelly sandwich. Jelly sandwich. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Um, regrettably, I was not in charge of the dialogue for this episode. Um, oh, unfortunately. Like, like I said, I was I was in charge of sound editing in, mm -hmm. in this episode, so I was doing a lot of the foley, I was doing a lot of the 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 gun play the gu gun handling and like yep. running around and stuff like that. However, uh, I will I will tell you I got to do some sound design work on it and they were my they were some of my favorites. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you in a sec. But I can't I, I confess I don't know what he was actually saying in that episode. However, what I can tell you is in the pilot Yes, all when, that one, yeah. <laughs> when Stolas was doing his thing, um I believe it was Brock Baker doing the voice for him back then. Yes, I think it was. Um, yeah. And uh the vo the what he actually was saying was a bunch of baby swears. Oh right. <laughs> really? Yeah, like it was like a bunch of baby swears that was uh like at one point he's like, uh, it's like I, it's like I want you to do it until you're screaming, and then beep. But instead yeah. of he's going, I want you to do it until you're screaming, pee pee poo poo caca. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even better. Oh, it does. So yeah, like like honestly, like you listen to it, it's just like it's actually kind of disappointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I don't know. Something, awesome, something about but that, it that, makes, that it, makes it more funny in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that, that's definitely no, Brock the, Baker. Uh, you can feel that. Yeah. The the little sound the the what the I, I got the opera uh, George Peters had told me um, hey if you want to do like if you've got ideas for sound design for like design ideas mm -hmm. go and throw them in we'll see we'll we'll see how well they go because a lot of the stuff they 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 process through it and they're like okay we like this we don't like this 
Yeah. And some ideas get uh, get uh, stay, some ideas don't. That's like mm-hmm. why with has been hotel like there's. 30 to 40 percent, uh, 30% less sound design than what I had originally started in the first cut, which just think about that for a second. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that there same. is a version of Has Been Hotel that has even more sound. It's just even more stuff. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, uh, George Peters was doing the sound supervision. Um, mm-hmm. There was another guy whose name is eluding me at the moment because I never got to had the pleasure of speaking to him doing the yeah. actual like sound design. But they were just saying, like, yeah, like, a lot of the sound design that we're already doing is based on the pilot, because I had done basically all the groundwork for establishing tone. Yeah. Um, but the one sound that I was the most proud of in in that whole thing, there, there were actually two. One was uh, when Blitz grabs his chest uh, okay. when he's yelling at Moxie, like, right before he says, get the fuck over yourself. I added oh, a yeah. clown horn. <laughs> Of him grabbing yeah. his tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. And uh, the other one, which was like, and which eventually became the acoustic signature of the evil wife, mm-hmm. is whenever she's having sex, I have a squeaky toy squeaking. <laughs> that got yes, me. So yes, I laughed I so yeah. hard at that. And and when she died, you hear it like go. <laughs> <laughs> like she's to deflated. the point where like the husband trips and falls on top of you and you hear her squeak he kicks her yeah uh, yeah oh, that's amazing <laughs> I go like okay there, there's a lot in here that is not me but that that is mine <laughs> that's me that's mine <laughs> just a big post-it note just like bam me yeah <laughs> How come well, I, it's, it's um, funny because like uh, uh, Mr. Peters is like, you know, it's funny because you can actually he, he, t- he said to me at one point, I think like you, you can actually tell when it's you <laughs> really <laughs> like a lot, a lot of sound good. designers. You can tell when it's when it's a specific person because they specialize in in certain things. And they've got certain timings with the jokes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people are good at explosions. Some people are good mm-hmm. at cars. Some people are good at hits. Some people are good at fart noises. Some yeah. people are good can at we get him? Sex he's the fart beeps. guy. <laughs> sex beeps. Yeah, sex beeps. Oh, Kennedy, he's the sex beeps guy. Yeah. <laughs> that on your, on your CV. Just like, sex beeps yeah. man, 2020. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I was the one that turned someone's coach into a squeaky toy. <laughs> Hire me for your children's show. Yeah. <laughs> I make good squeaks, what can I say? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> How could, I wanted to ask actually when you said about Brock Baker before, how come he didn't come back for the the actual the main episode because when he was just in the I, pilot? I do not know. I was not in charge of the casting. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I did know was that um, Vivid said uh, with Erica Lindbeck, yeah. um, where she played she played as Millie and as Luna, but um, oh, I didn't realize it's the same same person. Yeah, but she said that she wanted to have like a dedicated voice actress for Millie so that Erica wasn't like, you know, doubling up on it. Cause she wanted to be, yeah. she wanted this to be like a very professional production despite being released on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so we went, we went about it in a very studio way where we got casting, we got the, all that figured out. I don't know what happened with Brock Baker. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I liked his performance. Uh, I do like this performance also. I feel like it's, yeah, it's still good. sides of a yeah. different mm-hmm. flavor. Honestly, the bit that made me, uh, that made, that sold me, like at first I was like, wait, that's a different guy. And then he goes, 
passionate fornication. Yes. I'm like, that okay, was I'm the same. Yeah, same that's, for me. Exactly. This is what I need. Yeah. The soundscape actually in his bathroom is really nice, which sounds like a weird sentence to say, but with like the constellations moving around, it's a really like. Yeah, the, like, the yeah, sound designer did a I'd great job on that. I did all the foley of him like splashing in the the tub yeah. and like actually like squeaking against the porcelain of him like walking and all that. That that yeah. Uh, I I did like all the like the little smaller uh, mm-hmm. sounds in that moment. Very good. Well, yeah, it's great. I, I think it, you did a great job on it. We have another question. If you're ready for another question, good, sir. This one comes from entity underscore zero N three. Nice catchy name there. They said, Ominous. I can't really think of a question, but can you just say thanks for the awesome work? So I just wanted to let you know. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. There you go. Entity. I, you know what, uh, for that, I can, how about I tell them a, a little brief story in, go for in appreciation Please. of that. Thanks. Entity just for you. Let's go. <laughs> so, uh, this story is, um, I'm going to just keep sound stories because I could go mm-hmm. off on the whole around the world thing at some That's point. Fine. On. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we'll definitely be having you back. So as yeah, many sure. stories yeah. as you want. This story was the, the very, the moment where I felt my sound design hit harder than any other moment in my life. Okay. Now, uh, I have a poster of a movie that I worked on. I believe it's over there. You can barely see it. Anyway, uh, the store, the movie was called Sage. It was my senior thesis film that I got to sound design about a lady who was trapped in a, uh, in a brothel, uh, being forced to pleasure, uh, pleasure people for like the people that owned her and Mm -hmm. how she breaks out. And absolutely wonderful things I get to work on, right? I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. It was it was very it was very intense, uh, very dri- very uh, emotionally driven, uh, hard hitting drama. And it was really hard to watch at certain points, but it was a student film. Like we, there mm-hmm. were certain limitations to it, but I was really proud of that production because there's a single moment in that movie where she pulls out a gun. And she shoots the guy. Uh, she shoots the the main villain, and then she just goes nuts and starts firing over and over and over again until the clip goes empty because of how much vitriol and hate she had for this guy who had been gaslighting her the entire movie. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of gun fights in this in this movie. There is only the one gun, and the entire film takes place indoors. So, what I did was I went as far as I could on that one sound to make it the most jarring, upsetting, and startling sound I could think of. This one sound effect had 30 layers of sound going on at the same (laughs) time. It was loud. It was intense. It was like compressed to all get out so that it wouldn't like blast out somebody's ears, but it felt like it would. Okay. I, this film went through and I, I shit you not. 55 final cuts of the sound design because I kept going in and missing things or something would be off in the theater. So I'd upload the final cut, go into the movie theater that we were mixing, that we would like listen to it, find it's wrong, go back, readjust, go back. And this went on for about a week. God. The day for the, the the screening finally came, and it was a packed theater. Like, all the families and friends and, and people who were just interested in finding the next David Lynch or mm-hmm. whatever that was going to come in was <laughs> in this theater. Because Chapman has a full-size movie theater. Yeah. And the time came for that gunshot. 
and it hits uh, it hits so hard the entire audience jumps out of their seats and you hear okay. all of them actually exclaim in surprise and shock and then this silence falls over the theater of like this this weight from that scene they're like whoa and i'm sitting there like <laughs> I did it. I'm, I'm yes. like cackling quietly to myself, like yes. Like I'm laughing at the gunshot. Wow, that's awful. Yeah, what a weirdo. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my girl, my girlfriend at the time smacked me in the chest, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I did that. I did the thing. It was one of the best sound moments I've had in my life. That's so cool. Can I imagine getting that such like a like a genuine reaction out of these people, like loads of bit literally jump in their seats. It's just like. When you can provoke that, that kind of emotional response mm -hmm. from somebody in as, sound. as a filmmaker, it is, there is no feeling more exciting or exhilarating yeah. than knowing that you have, you have made a moment in someone's life. Yeah, totally. I, I'm, I'm of course, obviously speaking that much more with much more grandiosity than this, this moment deserves. It is a, yeah. it is a student <laughs> film, but in, in that moment, I was like, oh, they are not going to forget this. They yeah, probably have, but <laughs> well, <laughs> but I haven't. It's going to be that's one listener matters. from t from this episode that's going to be like, "Oh God, it's that film," and they're just going to like going to relive that guy. it. <laughs> yeah. That dick, I shit myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Like I find that gunshots in films, they're nowadays anyway. I find there's very few that really stand out as big moments like that. But one for me was definitely in Blade Runner 2049. Uh, mm. I went to see that in the IMAX. And when I've Ryan Gosling goes to, have you not? No. Spoilers. Someone gets shot. Ah. When he goes, uh, <laughs> he, he goes to, the, I won't say anything about the characters. because We'll watch it, Jordan. That's one film we will watch together when we're allowed. Okay. Uh, he, he visits someone's house and ends up getting into a bit of a fight and a gun goes off and the impact of that it, it, everyone jumped like, like everyone jumped I, I the guy next to me dropped his popcorn the guy over there spilled his drink i was like fuck jesus it was a great great moment and but none of the other gunshots later on in the film seemed to have the same effect as that first one and i wonder no that's the, that's why. kind of the effect for it but like um a lot of it's really just like an emotional impact sometimes we mm -hmm. emphasize those moments a lot more in sound design yeah, but in terms of like sound, in terms of gunshots, there is nothing more frustrating than hearing a gun sound that's a gunshot that sounds pitiful. That just mm -hmm. does not sound. That doesn't sound like powerful. In like your a potato hands. gun. <laughs> like um, the, like there was like a, a recent Transformers thing where like the the gun sounds were just like. They they just sounded like Fisher Price Fisher Price bat blasters, and I'm just like, man. Yeah. But then I listen to like Transformers Prime and there's like this meaty, girthy blast behind each hit. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I then I would hear like the, the, the sound effect of like the, the stun guns from Stargate SG-1. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, if you're looking for like really good, like uh, an amazing gunshot sound, I highly recommend you look into the Expendables. Okay. There is a scene where Terry Crews gets a shotgun. Oh, I know the scene. Yeah. Oh, I know that I scene. scene. <laughs> he starts firing that gun, and it sounds like pure sex. It does. It's a fully auto it's, shotgun, isn't it? My An like my uh, my my friend. Yeah. When I told her it sounds like pure, it's, it just sounds like better than sex. She goes, "I 
are you a virgin? <laughs> and, having the wrong sex. <laughs> and I go, you need to listen. No, no, you need to listen to this. And we watch the movie and that moment starts where the shotgun comes in and just goes. Dum, 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 dum. And she sits back and she's like, I need a cigarette and I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> totally balanced. Like, you justified it, man. You totally justified it. <laughs> Uh, we have another question if you're ready which uh, kind of ties in nicely with that actually about the sound effects this one comes from hungry for hunger on reddit and they said uh could you ask what you actually use for sound effect uh, sound effects so i i wasn't sure what what they meant there so they i inquired and they said which software do you recommend to use when mixing or preparing your sounds well um to each to your own Mm -hmm. uh, there are a couple of programs that are out there. The DAW is the the digital art, uh, audio workstation is all intents and purposes a canvas. You yes. could do a lot of work with almost any of them. The one that I use is the one that I grew up with in college, which is Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. um, Pro Tools first is free. Uh, it's it's much more limited because you only get like sixteen tracks to work with, but you can get a lot done with it. And there are a lot of plugins you can work with. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of tried and true that I work with. But again, you need to think of the digital art workstation and your plugins like paints and not like the only thing you need to work. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it comes down to you of what you're able to make with it. But um, I use uh, Pro Tools. I've used a little bit of Reaper. I'm not fully comfortable with it because it's got a very... It, it does not have the most intuitive work uh, flow for no, when it comes it to like the the display, which is saying a lot because uh, Pro Tools kind of looks like something from Windows XP. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have used uh, um, Soundweaver, which is good for single sound effects uh, in sound libraries. I have over I have about nine terabytes of sound effects. Good God. Uh, that I use, um, some of which are library sounds, some of which are things that I've recorded myself. Mm -hmm. um, I've got tons of props. You might actually notice uh, behind me, uh, if you're <laughs> watching this, that there is this green bowl. Uh, I'll play with that real quick in a second. But okay. I'm nervous now. The, uh, <laughs> but there's like sound libraries all over the place that are really good. Um, one that I would recommend that you get is that if you get a a ton, a ton of sound effects like I do, where I've got hundreds of thousands of sound effects, all of which are named the same thing mm -hmm. nine out of ten times. I recommend getting something called Sound Miner. Okay. Uh, sound Miner is a program where you can open it up and it tabulates all of your sound effects and organizes them into a library that you can search by keyword. Uh, okay. Down to detail, the tone, descriptions, and other things like that. And there are lots of them. Soundminer, it like can organize things really well, and it's made my work a lot faster. And it's helped me discover sound effects that I would never have found in a million years on my own by I'll just using like Windows. Because yeah. the nice thing about it is that like with the Windows thing, if I type something up and it tries to search through that nine terabyte drive, it's gonna take me a half hour to find anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Soundminer, it does all of it, like it already like uh it like compiles all of it into like a metadata uh, list oh, right, so that okay. you can like quickly reference it and it knows where everything is already. Amazing. Okay, cool. Highly recommend it. 
Right, we'll check that out. I've stuck that on the weekly recommends as well for anyone listening. Uh, In terms of sounds that I make... Yes, please show us this bowl. I am excited. Listeners waiting with bated breath. He's selecting a bowl. He's returning to us with said bowl. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite hobbies is getting to go to a guitar center or an antique shop or whatever and find things that sound cool. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if like they'll they'll actually like make anything that I need for work. I just want to make it sound really cool, and I use those as pieces for other environments. Like uh, this thing oh, was given to me by uh, spin thing, right? Christine Papalexis, who was the director for Amaterasu, a Japanese myth told through scrap metal puppets. <laughs> wow. wow. She gave okay. this to me because it was one of her, like she, she actually like has a lot of like junk that she goes through to make puppet shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I loved the sound this thing made. Cause do you remember when, um, Harry Potter uses the, the magic uses like a, like he waves his wand and you hear the woo kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. I, I think I've, I've got one of those from when I was a little kid. I loved that yeah. thing. It's such an it. unusual sound. You use that for like little aspects of other things because making sound effects a lot of times is kind of like making a sandwich where you've yeah. got like the meat of the bread of like the base of the sound then you've got little layers of other things that you can mix in together. Mm-hmm. That's how they made the lightsaber for one. There's no real yeah, lightsaber is. out there. But this is a meditation bowl that I got at a Ren Fair. Right, okay. Um, what I love about this one, this one in particular so much is how loud it is. I'm going to put my other earphone in. I, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this real quick. <laughs> oh, wow. It's really Whoa. loud. It's, it's that, great. Like, um, you had a harmony in there then. I did like a second note that came in. Yeah, because uh, uh, what you do is uh, it's kind of like uh, those uh, sh- uh, like crystal champagne glasses where like yeah, you rub yeah. along the outside. And it's the, the noise vibration... of the spiritual stones in Ocarina of Time, The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, like if you do it fast enough, it, it, it gives that vibration. Um, I actually was using that recently for this sci-fi audio drama I'm working on called The Sojourn. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask I to, about like, that. I, I had to make a... Uh, a, a Oh, I got blurry all of a sudden. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the meditation threw it out of whack. <laughs> Camera's too relaxed. Damn. Yeah. I guess so. Like it, it zoned out. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it. Uh, I, I had. Uh, there's a, a moment where I have to like make a uh, the soundscape of a vitrified planet. Oh wow! Which, okay. Uh, is a planet that's made entirely out of glass. Uh, that's mm-hmm. been superheated so much it's turned to glass. Yeah. I can't go into more detail than that, but. Uh, one of the things that I was doing was I was making, what would it sound like if the glass was, had wind passing over it and it was making that vibration, but like the whole planet was like one giant slab of glass. Mm-hmm. So I actually would, uh, I used that meditation bowl and I like brought it down. So it had like this very deep rumbling resonation throughout oh, the wind right. and stuff going so, like, on. So the planet was reverberating as it went. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Fun. Do you know have any release date for that? Is there anywhere we can check it's, that out? Well, I mean, the Sojourn, uh, the Sojourn is a sci-fi audio drama that's akin to Battlestar Galactica or The Expanse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where um, the Guinevere helps lead a colony of uh, humans to try and find resources in a distant part of the galaxy called the Tantalus Cluster. 
Right. Okay. Um, and they're they're dealing with like survival while also struggling with past uh, past old wounds that are still bothering uh, the, these groups. I'm in charge of all the sound design and the okay. mixing and every single sound effect, and I'm pretty much like the one man everything on that thing. <laughs> That's like a tiring We've released job. the first three episodes already. Oh, sweet. Okay. Right. I'll be checking those out. So you can watch them right now if you go to the sojournaudiodrama.com. Or if you just look up Sojourn Audio Drama, it's probably one of the first things that comes up. It's made by Daniel Orit, who is in charge of the absolutely phenomenal YouTube channel Space Doc, which is a okay. YouTube channel that goes into the nerdiest, most geekiest sci-fi breakdowns that you can possibly think of. <laughs> well, like he actually goes and yeah. <laughs> he actually opens up a blueprint of a Star Destroyer and breaks down how it works. Whoa, within the okay. setting of its own show. Like that <laughs> that kind of detail. Harrison's yeah. the biggest space nerd I've ever met in my entire life. I like space, okay? <laughs> you would you would love space. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah, you don't have to out. defend yourself. I feel like I'm having to put up my deflector shields, Jordan, all right? I feel like <laughs> you're you're giving it me and yeah. You do you, yes. buddy. <laughs> what what's great about the Sojourn is that we have a science expert on the team that's talking with me and we're trying to make this place, this this show, sound as scientifically accurate as what is currently established. Okay, so hence the expanse similarity there, because that's sort of touted as being one of the most accurate sci-fi shows that is currently out there, isn't it, in terms of physics? Yeah, yeah, uh, and like we we've got like descriptions of how a lot of these things work. We have like uh, like for example, we have a uh, moment where there's like a pulsar. Mm -hmm. uh, and we actually have the pulsar when it's like, uh, because it's spinning so fast that the radiation it's giving off is actually interfering with the radio. So you hear like static kind of fluttering in the yeah, radio the, while it's, while they're talking. The RPMs. Right. Okay. Little details like that, that really help bring this out to a level of real, uh, a level of scientific accuracy that people can get engrossed in. Okay. Well, that sounds awesome. Like, I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. I will be going through all three of those. If, if your friend who you mentioned wants to come and chat about that, Tell him he's welcome to come and have a chat with us about it. We'd love to hear more about the project for sure. I want to yeah, touch sure. on like this episode is momentous already. We're at two hours already, which is we were it's only going to do so an hour. Fast. It has, <laughs> and I, oh, I still want. I hope I've not been taking up too much of your time. Oh, no, Honestly. no, like we we plan for this on a Sunday. That's why we do it on a Sunday, don't we, Jordan? Yeah. So we've got plenty of time. I want to touch on Magus Elgar. Um, because yes, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I, I hadn't come across it until we'd spoken a few weeks back. And in one way, I, I'm really sad because I would have liked to have had it in my life longer. But in another way, I'm really glad because now I'm in lockdown again. It's given me something to binge through and I don't have to wait <laughs> through different things coming out. So that's really nice. How far are you into it? Uh, I am on episode, I think I started episode 10 this morning. I think it was 10. Oh, you're almost done. Because there was the one that I barely know her. There was that title. That's, I oh, that that's Ether. I barely know her. That was episode eight. That's eight. So yeah, it's nine. It's the one after that one then. Okay. No, that's, that's, um, that's Mega Sigari's mediocre trip. Uh, it's not a dragon. He's a, a Lacertus, which is like, Sorry, a, kind of like a lizard folk. Yes. He, he yeah, very yeah. much resembles his, uh, uh, chameleon, uh, which is incidentally played by me. Oh, cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I watched the lizard face animation as well, where it grabs him. It's, it's sad. Cause like, it's been like two, it, it got released in like 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I released it for free in 2019 and now I'm like trying to work on like more stuff for it, but 
I'm self-funding the whole thing, and I don't know the first thing about like trying to make a profit off of this kind of like thing. Produce it, yeah, I understand. I'm, I might I'm, be able I'm to help you with directing, some stuff writing, there. All... Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, honestly, I, um, I'd like to say, can you give our listeners a gist of what Magus Elgar is about? Because if anyone hasn't heard it, it'd be good for yeah, them to hear. Um, it. Magus Elgar is a fantasy comedy inspired by the works of Terry Pratchett. If you're not familiar with him, mm-hmm. think uh, Monty Python writing Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very tongue-in-cheek about two, mag- uh, two magic casters called Magi and two scientists working together to fix scientific tools augmented with magical power, or stamps for short, that are causing magical anomalies in the magical world of Hearth. So they have to figure out a way to uh, diffuse these stamps before all of reality rips apart, or at least before people find out it was their fault. (laughs) (laughs) We follow magical pioneer Magus Elgar, a uh, magical troubleshooter, as it were, who fixes magical problems, magical, magical, and uh, discovers the strange dimension of earth and science by casting indiscriminately into a cauldron made out of silver blood or by sciencean's standards mercury sciencean <laughs> <laughs> so there you go listeners that is your sum up of megas elgar you need to check this out i was yeah, i was straight away taken aback by the quality of the voice acting first of all i was at first i genuinely thought the narrator was clancy brown it was just yeah. He it, uh, it's very Ricardo similar. Cabral did a really great job, but there's there's a bunch of names in there that are are absolutely great. Uh, Randy Nazarian was great. Mm-hmm. Sandra Espinosa, she's uh, currently an epithet erased. Okay, as uh, one of the one of the main characters. Uh, there's Kellen Goff, who, if you're not familiar with him, he was Overhaul in My Hero Academia and recently Diavolo in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Five. Wow. Oh, amazing! Okay. Uh, he he was a phenomenal actor. He plays his wizard Quaff in our show. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, there, there's just so many different actors in it that are just fantastic. And I'm I was really lucky to be able to get a hold of so many of these people. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I was really happy when I got Magus Elgar himself, uh, William Violenus, because uh, he, he just got a pitch perfect performance of Elgar. Um, that was something I wanted to ask you actually like did you have characters personalities already planned or were there there actors that came in like like him for example who did something and you were like oh that wasn't what I initially imagined but this is absolutely amazing like okay let's go with that is there any instances like that um, honestly a lot of Kaylee okay came out in uh, like uh, Kaylee was not nearly as as uh, sardonic as uh, <laughs> was not nearly as sardonic as uh, we had built her up to be, because uh, Udo, uh, played by Christopher Moore, mm-hmm. uh, was the was the sardonic one. But when we heard Sandra, like the first time we hear her, where she's like really sleepy and holding like a coffee cup, and she mm-hmm. just starts just taking the piss out of Elgar and Udo about how <laughs> absurd the whole situation is. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, everything was written with a very clear idea of who these characters were. And I think the one that I wasn't expecting as many people to like was um, Brian Stavali's performance of Got Iron Ball. Which one's he? Uh, he's the bald guy that uh, is the bodyguard to oh, Mr. Yes. Trike. The bodyguard is brilliant. Yeah, he's really good. He's kind of nice well, and he's kind of amenable. Like, 
It kind of sounded like a bit dim, but he got a heart of gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. He did an absolutely great job. Uh, we have um, a friend of ours, Ellis Marshall. Shout out to him. I was just going to say, uh, I hope you've not forgotten Ellis. I haven't forgotten about Ellis, no, and I, I, I made sure that I would come back to this. If you want to make the biggest has-been superfans day, please shout, just say hello to Ellis Marshall, first of all, Kennedy. Um, <laughs> he asked me to ask you, uh, in regard to like voice acting like that, uh, what editing should be done to someone's voice in their voice reel without changing their actual voice? You know, like EQing or what sort of protocol should you go down in that sort of way? Well, greetings, Ellis Marshall. <laughs> Allow me to elucidate on the secrets of an audition. Now, um, <laughs> when it comes to doing an audition for that kind of thing, you don't want to do you don't want to do a lot of pitch shifting. You don't want to do anything that that affects the the tonal quality of the voice. Yes. If you are if you are going to do that for like a character that has like a special demon voice or something like that, I would say leave the raw version and then have like an affected version later. If okay. you're going to do that. Um but generally, you don't want to do EQ higher than like 2 or 3 decibels for for certain areas for mm -hmm. emphasis. Because you don't want to like disrupt too much of it. Generally, when you're doing auditions, it's best to just keep it raw. But okay. if you feel like that you want to make it sound a lot nicer, um, a little bit of a little bit of compression won't go. Wouldn't steer you too wrong. Yeah. Like like light compression, not not too much, because you don't want to sound like a radio announcer. Yeah, yeah, um, I get that. Because so much of the EQ can affect the warmth and the quality of your voice that might change what they're looking for in the performance. Exactly. They're not looking point. for how good you are with with an editing program. They're looking how they're looking at how good you are with how you can control your voice and change things. Yes, and your delivery. Yeah. Like uh, for example, I got casted as um, I got casted in this cartoon that's going to be coming up called uh, Wild Card or Wild Cards, okay. um, where I'm playing this. Uh, it's it's kind of like a uh, Commissioner Gordon type character. Okay. And if you want to if you want to sound different in terms of different performances, you can really define where you're going to be speaking. Like I'm speaking in the back of my throat here, whereas in this other performance, I'm speaking down in the center of my my chest here. Mm -hmm. Like look, Jack, we can we can do this all day or we can actually have a conversation. Now which one are you going to pick? <laughs> It really comes down to like what you want to do for your performance rather than what special effects you want to add to it. Yeah, afterwards. Okay. And this is coming from someone who is a little bit too much into the special effects. Um, but a great <laughs> example that I recommend to you is there's a video online of somebody breaking down Venom from, well, Venom. Yeah. And every step-by-step -step process of going from the raw performance all the way to the different effects where they add, like, a lot of watery sounds to his voice, a little bit churring and, and gargling. But they're mm -hmm. also doing, like, some tremolo and other things. And it's, it's really fascinating to listen to. But when you break it down to the very raw performance, it's still the main actor doing a performance. Yeah, because it was Tom Hardy who did Nothing the voice of Venom still, that. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, send me the link to that if you can. One that always got me yeah, is the I darkness in the game. The darkness. Yes. The, vo oh, the, yes. the voice acting on that is... It's, what's the guy's name? What band's he from? I can't remember, but like I, I know that that, per that performance was phenomenal. That voice mostly because kills me. I love it so much. Like he, he gets to that point where he balances very 
precariously on the cusp between readability and listenability. Yeah. Where like you, there's some lines where you're like, I don't know what you're saying, but like they've got the big, big scary subtitles. Mike Patton. Uh, for him, but his, his oh, performance Mike, yeah. is, mm-hmm. is very otherworldly. It's, and that makes a, a world of difference. It does. Like sometimes you can do the effect by just like vocals, but nothing is going to stop like Kellen Goff from doing an amazing performance just by his voice. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, who's the guy who does the Darkest Dungeon voice? Is that... Oh, I, I don't, don't know, know, but... Oh, what's he called? Ruin has come to our venerable estate. Yeah, I love Wayne that June. Guy. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he sounds like a sentient chocolate bar voiced by Morgan Freeman. Oh. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't... The, the thing I'm learning most from this, obviously, I knew... I know nothing about sound design, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paz is the main one that's creative. I'm very much data-driven. Uh, so <laughs> it's the IT boy. I am the IT boy. It's how understated. Like the main thing you picked out was the 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 illusion of silence, or the illusion mm. of the lack of noise is so important because I just wouldn't pick up on that normally. Like I'd I'd yeah. feel it, but I wouldn't know about it if that makes sense. Yeah. So Funny interesting. Enough, something that would really something that would really help you in the future to pay attention to sound design is think of sound design like a magic trick. There is so much going on where it's trying to trick you into believing something. And it adds a layer to it. When it comes to visuals, it can be very hard to trick somebody. Like even when you're looking at CG, you could be like, that that's CG. But with sound, sound, we're not as acute in our ability to identify one sound from another. Which is why so many sounds are so similar we use those similarities to get away with a couple of things. Mm-hmm. For example, think about when you step on fresh snow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about that sound, that, that the little crunch. One of my favorite sounds. Or, the, or even like the small, like thin sound of ice going as it sinks in, depending mm-hmm. if it's like powder snow or hard snow. But you hear that crunch. And in your head, you think, well, that's, that's snow. That's just snow. But then you hear something else that sounds virtually identical to it, and you watch a video of somebody walking in snow, and you immediately think, well, that's obviously snow. But what it actually is, is somebody taking their shoes to some cornmeal in a recording studio and just stepping on it to get that crunching sound. But you're juxtaposing the image of the snow, and your brain pieces those two things together. That's sound design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you can do the sim- similar thing with paper as well, can't you? It's like crumpling paper can make a similar sound to snow. Almost almost anything. There's a, there, there's a lot of a... What's the word that I'm looking for? There's a, there's a strange... Uh, there's a lot of synonyms in audio. Okay. <laughs> as it were. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. If it sounds enough like it, it gets, you can get away with it. Yeah. For a game we worked on, we used uh, splitting sweet potatoes for the sword's impact sound when hitting the enemies. And it sounded so... And I I was watching me and my sound designer, which is a guy I was in a band with uh, a few years before. Shout out to to you, Rick. And I I watched him breaking sweet potatoes and I was just like, what is happening? (laughs) I'm like, Rick, this is like my final year game. I need you to take this seriously, Rick. (laughs) Rick's gone, yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. You can even even go a step further 
than that. Like think about like the sound a sword makes. Yes. Like think about how it, how in your head how it would sound. Now in real life, uh, the sword just sounds like a metal stick, pink mm-hmm. or whatever. It's all right, but you you have an idea in your head, a romanticized vision of what a sword would sound like, and you think of it down to like even just the waveform. Or like a little bit of vibration where you've got like a sharp attack where it like suddenly hits and then fades off really quickly for like when the sword comes in. Or maybe the sword is made of a of a rare chosen material from the stars that had fallen to this earth and gave a chosen one that fell into a lake and then got chucked into some uh, some guy's head to say, you're going to be king now. Um, <laughs> That's how we elect them. <laughs> you... You hear that hit, and maybe you want to hear like a little bit of resonance to it, so you have like a ring added to it. Mm-hmm. So like you have maybe like the sound of the actual hit. Maybe it could be like I don't know. This is an eye- eyeglass case where you hear the the same kind of quality of the the sharp attack, quick release. Mm-hmm. That sounds a little bit more percussiony, but that can still work. Yeah. And then say you want to have the sound of it swishing through the air, of it like going like a. Whoosh, Mm-hmm. And then when it finally hits, you hear the metal like ring from the vibration, like the wing kind of thing. Yeah. You can put all those together, all those little pieces. And that sounds like a pretty, pretty bitchin' sword, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it gets more wonderful from that. <laughs> pretty yeah. bitchin' actually... sword. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> pretty bitchin' yeah, sword. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a, a character in uh, Magus, actually, that there was a particular voice that stood out to me, and it was Victus, actually. I really Funny like enough, voiced by the same guy who did Got Iron Ball. Oh really? Oh no way! It's so different. He's yeah, he's very very good. Yeah. Great job, actor. Harrison. Yeah, I know. I should hope he's good. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, he has like this whispered echo. I don't know if you've got to that character yet, Jordan. I know yes, you haven't had much time yet, the past no, few days as I have. Much time at all. And it's it's very ethereal and scary. What we did with uh, Victus was that I really brought out the bass in his voice. And yeah. I had him like speak really close to the microphone and speak. And speak very gently, because he has all the plans figured out and wants to make sure that you understand where he is mm-hmm. and how much he detests magic. Sounds like Peter Serafinowicz. Victus is a character. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> Victus is a character who he does not feel that humanity can be trusted with magic and wants to remove it from them. And that's like a lot of his whole arc. But a big thing about him is that he is a character in a mask and... He's trying to mask who he is because if it's exposed of who he is, then gig is up. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is the underlying resentment he has in his tone mm-hmm. comes out a little bit through this magical filter that he has from the mask. That when he's like trying to intimidate or trying to be scary, um, it slips out. Right. But then like okay. other times it drops. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's kind of a precursor to what Alistair eventually I was just going to say, that's exactly what Alistair yeah. is, isn't it? So you can see where you've tied these similar. inspirations. Yeah, very cool. I very much like that. I think he's been my, he might be my favorite character so far for the voice performance, I think. Just for the ethereal quality of it. I think we are coming to the end of our episode. I'm going to need to order a kebab. We're coming to the end of our questions. Yeah, Jordan's got to order a kebab. (laughs) I'm not eating it. I need to order a kebab. And I need to get to work. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, we want to keep you you from hell of a bus. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm enjoying this. Uh, We have a question for you that we ask each of our guests. Of course. In regards to gaming, as we're mainly a, a gaming podcast. However, 
if you'd like to alter this slightly, that's absolutely fine. If you could take one game character and play as them in any other game character, who would it be and what would the game be? Or if you want to take it more into the, the cartoon realm in that you're delving into a lot at the moment, uh, which character would you take from any of the shows that you've worked on and place them into any other world that you are creating? Which would it be? I know that's hard. I to think about that for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what would actually be kind of fun? I would love to take Rasputin from Psychonauts. Oh, wow. That's a good okay. start. And put, and, and put him in control. <laughs> oh, right. That would be amazing. Wow. Yeah. Just flying around giving people shit constantly. <laughs> how how fun would it be to find to have like a bit where like uh one of the there's like characters that are stuck with the hiss or whatever and Rasputin's like, I got this door, let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well there's your problem. Uh Ross Ross will love that one, I'm sure. If I may, I, I have two things that I would love to recommend to you guys. Sure, um, we have a weekly recommend, so yes. Show. Go for it. Um, the video game that I would recommend to you is a very small game, a very simple game in these cheap times that we have. Um, I was thinking about recommending something a little bit more artistic or whatever, like Spiritfarer mm -hmm. or something, because phenomenal game. But Great game. I would recommend to you Just Beats and Shapes. Okay. Beats Just and Beats and Shapes is like da if Dance Dance Revolution was a bullet hell. Oh, really? <laughs> Where awesome. you're, it, the the gooey is so juicy, as I would as as Yahtzee described it, is the gaming term. Yeah, you're just a little blue pixel dodging a bunch of pink shit on the screen, but it's done to the music of a bunch of really talented individuals. Um, the person who did the song "Addict," Silva Hound, uh, one of her mm -hmm. songs is in this game. Oh, okay, oh, wow. cool. And it's a game where like you you get into it and there's this this really great sense of flow and beat that you just get really into, and uh, it's been so intoxicating for me because I love rhythm games like DDR and Beat Saber and Amplitude that I've been watching YouTube videos of fan created levels. Of like, what Very if this cool. level was a boss fighter? Let's make a song and turn it into a uh, just beats and shapes level, and it's it's a blast. That sounds amazing. Definitely, um, we'll and be it's four that players. Out. Even better. <laughs> That's Even better. awesome. We'll, we'll play it, Harrison. We'll do this. Yeah, nothing like a good co-op game. And, and what was your second one? As for a television show, mm -hmm. I know I've been I've been spouting a lot about Joel Valentine and Jendi Tartakovsky, but I highly highly recommend watching Primal. Okay. Okay. Now, Primal is a show about a caveman who teams up with a T-Rex in a prehistoric uh, setting. <laughs> there is no dialogue. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Nobody speaks. And everything is told through visual storytelling and the sound design. And it is a gut-wrenching experience. Like I want, I want you to imagine all the moments where robots are getting eviscerated in Samurai Jack, mm -hmm. and like all those moments of pent up violence that Jendi didn't get to do because it was a kids show, and compress all of that into a single series. Wow. Okay. There's I'm an episode. <laughs> um, there's an episode in the middle of it where the the two main characters, Fang and Spear, are it's a, are dealing with a zombie. But it's not like a zombie horde or like something like a zombie film. It is one zombie. 
the whole episode is them trying to get away from this one zombie. And it is one of the scariest things I've seen in a cartoon in the last five years. Jesus. It is uncompromising. It is got breathtaking visuals. And the sound design is so poignant and so potent that uh, there's actually uh, the latest episode that I watched. There's like this creature in the background where you never, you never actually get to see this thing until like the very, very end. But the sound this thing makes, makes your skin crawl. Because the only thing that you see of this thing is the sound it's making off in the distance and the viscera of corpses that are strewn about over the course of miles. Where like the, the, the things, the, the corpses that this thing leaves behind, there's barely like strains of its body larger than like a, a, like a pot roast. It's just gone. Wow. That sounds really interesting. And all you he- all all you know about this thing is the sound it makes when it's when it's attacking something. If you love if you love visual storytelling, if you love Samurai Jack, Dexter's Laboratory, Hell Hotel Transylvania, please give this show a chance. Yes, yeah. it it's one of the most intense things that Adult Swim has has broadcasted. That that actually sounds amazing. In terms of my recommendations for what I was going to say, I was going to suggest Warhammer. However, I spent five hours yesterday assembling and priming 10 models. That is an obscene amount of time for what it should have been. So that was, I, I want to say a waste, but it was really fun to do, even though I nearly cut myself a million times with a craft knife. Uh, other than that... I can't judge. I, I started with X-Wing myself. <laughs> nice. I, I bought um, Adeptus Mechanicus, which uh, one of the most difficult things to put together, mm. I realized because I am an idiot, which leads into one thing you've said, which you mentioned Yahtzee's review of something earlier, which, have you read Yahtzee's books? I have. You're the I've only read, other person I know um, that's Mod read them. World, and I believe I've read Will Save the World for Cash. Yes, it, they are both, I absolutely love all the books he's made. I don't know what it is. He's I'd, got a great sense of humor. I, I, Mogworld especially of like, huh, I remember wasting he kinda, all of my time there. <laughs> he he kind of reminds me of a higher a higher brow version of Simon R. Green's books. Um if you're not familiar with him, he made the the Nightside series. No, I've not um, seen which those, I, no. I, I absolutely love. It's a fun book series. Uh there's an audiobook version done by Mark Vidor that I really like. Um it's it's got a very it's it's very tongue in cheek, but it's also very macabre in some places. Right, where like uh, it's it's about it's about like a a hard boiled private investigator who happens to have magic powers dealing with uh, this place called the Nightside, where it's always three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, there's um yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's dated and very lowbrow reading in terms of like. It's just like a, a a magical detective story, but it's fun. I enjoy it. I I, I love it. I think <laughs> there's another book the Yatsi's done called oh, something Morphous. Yeah, just Morphous. I think it's called. Different, he also did one called Jam. Morphous. That's the one. Oh yeah, and that's meant Morphous. to be like Morphous. a detectivey, magicy Harry Potter kind of thing, which I, I, I need think to I've get that one. to yeah. reading. Um, and then the thing I'm actually going to suggest is Mechanicus, which is a game based on the Adeptus Mechanicus from 40k, and it's uh, an yeah. XCOM-styled game 
about the Mechanicus, and it's really good. Yeah, I saw about that. Oh, honestly, it the soundtrack alone is like amazing. But even down to like because the you'll like this for setup because sound. Uh, <laughs> the the Mechanicus they replace their body parts with machine, so they don't actually speak. They just like grumble and like whatever mechanical noises they make. Whereas the monsters who are robots as well, they actually mm -hmm. speak mm -hmm. because they didn't choose to become robots. They were forced into it. Whereas the Mechanicus are doing it to themselves. Ah. They don't actually, it's That's just really like cool. grinding and it's just interference. It's so good. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Sorry for the uh, disconnection there, guys, by the way. Don't know Sorry. what happened. No, it happens. It's <laughs> a big storm going on outside. My recommend is going to be gunship the band and it is a track particularly called the drone racing league i don't know if you guys have heard of that no i have not, not at all no <laughs> so jordan you'll love it because it's a synth wave thing you'll love it for that surely the song alone is good but check out the video it is a an actual drone race you know with all the lights on flying like the old game wipeout remember like, like the flying wipeout. Little, yeah yeah awesome uh, but inside i the actually cockpits. thought you were going to be i thought you were going to refer to something like mother gunship where it was uh, oh, that, that? what is it? that? It's a it's a shooting game where you have true gun customization, and I mean not oh. like not like increased stats by by something percent thing or mm -hmm. whatever, but like actually building your gun where it's like you know this shotgun uh, shotgun missile launcher machine gun thing is great, but I want to be able to propel myself from the force of my own firearms. <laughs> So I'm going to put a like eight more shotguns on this thing and just rock it into space. Just go across. <laughs> that sounds even better. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, it has that. Like, scrap my recommendation. I'm going for yeah, this. Forget that. I'm going for this one. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, but no, if you do check out the song, check out the video because uh, inside the drone racing cockpits are stop motion characters of Terminator, Alien, Predator, oh, Optimus Prime, cool. and who else? Uh, is it Thingy Bliskin from Escape from New York? Snake Pliskin. Kurt Russell's character. Snake Bliskin. What's a Bliskin? Bliskin. I was, yeah, he's ballistic. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> video. Like Check it out. Sounds like a pastry. It does. It does sound yeah, like a Polish pastry. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> so yeah, I think that that's the end of the end of our show. I our think we've reached a perfect apex. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've covered some really amazing things thank you oh. for all the inspirational words that you've given us kennedy you've been absolutely amazing i'm sure i know i'm sure our listeners will be absolutely over the moon with the advice that you've given out today well thank you very much for having me i always love doing these kinds of shows and i'm always around making banging pots together <laughs> definitely yeah i'm more than happy to yeah <laughs> you're welcome by absolutely any time uh, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find you if they're not following you on any of the socials yet Yes, absolutely. You can find me at uh, Magus Serling on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm, ki I'm, I'm kind of on Facebook, but I don't really post anything there. I also am on, on Instagram, but I don't mm -hmm. post anything there. <laughs> but you'll, you'll mostly find me active on Twitter. Um, you can find my website at kennedyphillips.org. That's uh, uh, Kennedy like the president, Phillips like the screwdriver, not the television set, so two L's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also find my work uh, with Magus Elgar. That's M-A-G-U-S-E-L-G-A-R. 
Uh, if you go to MegasElgar.com, you could watch the first mm -hmm. season of Magus Elgar absolutely free. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a second season, but you know, I'm paying for all of it myself and I have no idea how to make money. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also find my work on Space Stocks, the Sojourn audio drama. Uh, you mm -hmm. could also find some of my voice work on uh, The Call of the Flame, which is another audio drama where I play a vampire king. Very cool. Um, that's also a very well done show. You could also find me on Newgrounds under Mega Serling as well, because I've also done, in addition to Hell of a Boss and Has Been Hotel, I've worked on Mayhem, mm -hmm. I've worked on LMJ, I've worked on Satina. And I most recently worked on a show for the Howling Mad Fox Hatter called uh, Tales from Planet Sima, which is on, on Newgrounds. Uh, okay. Which, fun fact, we actually took that show and taught uh, Australian kids how to voice act with that cartoon. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's great. So there you go. We yeah, can check them out. But yeah, you can find me on all of those things. Please feel free to comment on things or find me on the YouTubes, which is also yes. Megas Serling. Yes. I try to stay consistent about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. I love hearing people talk about sound things or just if you need help on your sound thing, I yeah. am, I am, I, 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 I like banging pots together. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely hit you up for advice without a doubt. And I know there's a lot of shows out there who do like audio verse versions in their podcasts. So I'm sure you'll be getting some messages. Uh, Jordan, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find us if they are new to the show? Of course you can find us absolutely everywhere at grief burrito. So that's Podbean, mm -hmm. Podchaser, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon music, yeah. Google Podcasts, <laughs> just everywhere. We also have Absolutely a Patreon. Everywhere. I can, you know what? Yes. If you want to take this one for yourself, you could always uh, say what I say for Megas Elgar. You can find Grief Perito wherever audiobooks are available, wherever pods are cast. That was beautiful. That Thank incredible. you so much, Kennedy. Thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. We also have a competition running at the moment on our socials where you can win a free copy of Cyberpunk 2077, so make sure to not miss that out. And let's wrap this shit up. That is everything. Thank I've you been so much. the fanboy Harrison. He's been Lumberjack Jordan, and our wonderful guest over there has been the Sound Knowledge Master Kennedy. Thank you very <laughs> Thank much, Thank you guys. very much for tuning in to Grief Burrito. Be sure to take your Pepto Bismol at the door. Yes, <laughs> that's Let's amazing. Bye, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. <laughs>